Hello, good evening and welcome and good morning and good afternoon and whatever time of day it is, wherever you are. It's another Bolocast. Yes, it is the Between Christmas and New Year Bolocast, something that I've been doing ever since we first put this show together. I say we, I of course mean me. Um... Yeah, I just, I don't know, I've I've always liked the concept of delivering you Christmas presents, giving you something extra for putting up with me all year round. And this would seem like, basically, the ultimate present. More of the podcast, which you seem to like so much. So here it is. Here is more podcast. I give you heap big more podcast. I hope you like. So, um... There you go, just a a little bit of casual racism there. I'm not sure um, who I offended, but um, I would imagine several races and generations of those races. So, um, I've I've really just sort of chatted shit, Gav, just spat bars, bruv, um, at you in the previous podcast. Um, And to be honest, I'm doing this, I I may as well be honest with you, I am doing this about 20 minutes after finishing part one. Um, I'm getting stuck in um, because it's a busy time of year and I've got the Godless part. Basically, once I finish interviewing Godless tomorrow, I'm going to drop his interview straight into this episode and then it'll be ready. And then I've got to, I've got to get a video made, which takes ages on fucking Windows. So, so I've got to, and basically it's a lot of shit, but I need to get it all done before I head up north. Um, so you don't get any uh, Christmas podcasts with clocks going off in the background. There's a, there's one for the old school. Um, but yeah, I just basically it means that all the content that I need to produce is done. I hate the word content. I know, fucking sorry. All of the shit I've got to get ready is done. All right. Um, so anyway. A little peek behind the curtain and shit that you couldn't give a fuck about. So, shit you couldn't give a fuck about. How eloquent is this podcast? Cunt, 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 cunt. The, fr- the phrase is not very eloquent. Um, so, not a lot's been happening in the world of metal since half an hour ago when I finished recording the last one. Um, I, um, I am also putting together the uh, the Bolocast podcast and there's all sorts of bits and pieces for you. Um, albums of the year will be um, will be heading your way in January. Um, looking to get an all new great, great new guests and you're going to have a great fun podcast whenever you listen. So anyway, um, I would imagine this is going to be a fairly longish one because we've got, um, I've got No Friend coming up now. Then we've got Godless. Then I'm going to stick the Dan stuff that I've already got recorded on the end there as well. Have a little bit of a catch up for you all with Dan. So there you go. That's it. Um, I'm going to get straight into this. Now, uh, my friend, No Friender, is a hard man to track down. And um, I mean, even episodes of his podcast are, um, are, are in decline at the moment. Well, not in decline. They're just, uh, they're, they're, they're they're like rare gems, and when you get one, you should savour it um, rather than scoff it down immediately. Scoff it down. Who eats? Je- who eats fucking precious stones? What am I? Am I basically doing this for is this podcast for Gollum? Is it? Um, that doesn't make any sense either. Fucking hell. Anyway, he's hard to get hold of. He hasn't been doing many shows recently, but he has recently been to see Slayer on their last show and Violence. Um, so what more do you want? And this interview classically finishes with me having to go because shit was kicking off that I had to go and get sorted. And that's the way my life seems to be. So here it is. This is myself and no friend having a chat just the other day. Actually, before I do that, it, here's me and him having a chat the other day, but also the, the No Friender podcast, or rather the Thrash Metal podcast, go to thethrashmetalshow.com. He'll plug it himself, but it's an awesome podcast, and if you haven't checked it out already, then shame on you. What the fuck are you doing with your life? Sir. Hello there, sir. Uh, 
How do I sound? You sound fine. All right, great. You sound you sound just the way you do on your podcast, authoritative and clear. Oh, perfect. That is, that is exactly what I wanted to hear. <laughs> well, there you go, buddy. Just just contact me for compliments in the future. I'm going to just have a like a um, a soundboard of you complimenting me when I need one. I'm just going to press the button and it's going to say things like that. Absolutely. I'm 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 down with that, my man. I'm down with that. So, um, what kind of what kind of unfeeling monster goes to see Slayer and and, and, and doesn't and doesn't have any Feel emotion? Nothing. Yeah, nothing. Yeah, yeah. What the fuck's wrong with you? <laughs> I, I I was hooked up. I decided well, let's just see this. So and I so I hooked myself up to all like the the biometric equipment that would measure like like any little you know pulse, all the things, yeah. temperature, and, and everything was flatlined. There was nothing. Turns turns out you're dead inside. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Although violence can can bring the life, uh, that was an altogether different experience. Oh man! Well, look, do, do, um, am I going to interview you first, or do you want to interview me first, or do we? No, wanna... you you definitely interview me first, and then right. and I, and I got to see because I might not be able to do the full thing with you uh, interviewing the, the reverse today. Oh, so that look, that's that's that, that's brilliant. Okay, in which case, let's. Um, yeah, man. Okay, we can come back to Slayer, but um, yeah, the violence experience. It sounds like you had a full-on like trip back to 1989. This was back in time for both me at shows and for just shows. Period, man. This was just completely. You know, it was 19. I, you know, Phil Demo in one of the interviews I read, like shortly before going to the show, he sort of said, you know, hey, we're doing these shows, like no backdrop, nothing. Like it's just like it's '86 all over again. And it's exactly what it was. Oh, that's awesome, man! That is awesome. So you had the you had the full on no bullshit. We're just going to smash these songs out experience. It was absolutely. It was like a, it was as if you just saw your friend's band playing their first show. Like there was there was no barricade. There was nothing. Absolutely nothing. I mean, it was the the stage was at most two feet high. Some monitors in front, no separation between the audience and. I mean, it was you know, guys were getting on stage all night long and, and stage diving. No, there was no security that was uh, impeding them or, or getting making sure they were off stage. I mean, it was as real as it gets. That's awesome. That is that is absolutely awesome because that's the way it should be. Sounds like sounds like sounds and, like an acid rain I'm, show. Well, <laughs> I'm long past going in, you know, I mean, I'm not a pit guy. I like to stand on the side and just take it all in. But, I mean, you go to violence, You, I think it's disrespectful to stand on the side and take it all in, especially violence considering, you know, Sean Killian, if no one else, deserves the best I can offer. So I was I was right up there, and since I am, you know, uh, you know I'm uh, six foot two, I'm a, I'm a taller than most so i was constantly getting clobbered in the head by you know crowd surfers who were you know going up on stage my glasses got destroyed it was perfect yeah yeah absolutely it was perfect that's exactly what you want from a violent show <laughs> if you're not expecting that then or, or if you're if that happens and you're upset then to take a, a song from uh, violence you have a mental affliction 
Yeah, absolutely. And the, th- the thing is, as well, is like I can I can tell in your voice that you know when you say like you know my 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 glasses got broke, it was just kind of like yeah, that's so fucking cool that my glasses got broken. <laughs> There, there's no better place. I mean, yeah. uh, granted, it, it helps that I had a backup, well, not with me, but I had a backup pair to put on and, and move on with life and get the other sticks that, you know, yeah. some other point. But it's like, it's a badge of honor to me. I always think it's disrespectful to the band to have those glasses fixed, actually. You know, I think about it. I, I think they should be encased, <laughs> enshrined. If, 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 I'll send them to Sean or Phil or whoever and say, you hold on to these. Yeah, yeah. Put them in the put them in the violence hall of fame. Yeah, or if there, at minimum, if there's a bootleg of the concert, they should, that should be the cover. <laughs> yeah, just a busted up pair of glasses. It's, this is really weird because I had um, had somebody come up to me at my um, at the album launch show we did, and she said I, I did my first ever stage dive, and then proceeded to show me a pair of glasses that were snapped perfectly <laughs> in half. That is, I mean, you're asking for trouble. Yeah. First of all, I, I enjoyed the show. I don't need the glasses. I just have a mild prescription. So, I mean, you get you wonder why uh, someone with any level of intelligence would wear unnecessary glasses in the pit and violence. That aside, <laughs> it, it all worked out for the best. Well, yeah, and uh, I, I, look, I'm just, I'm, I'm really jealous. I mean, that is just uh, uh, an, an incredible experience. And um, yeah, listening to you talk about it on your show as well, it was, um, uh, you, you, you kind of compared the, the, the two, like, back to back. Um, and um, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing you kind of got more out of the violence show than the Slayer show. I kind of understand why as well, because, like, you didn't get to see violence back in the day, and it's a completely different experience. Obviously, a club show and everyone's going fucking nuts than uh, an arena tour. Um, but um, yeah, what did you think to the uh, what did you think to the, the Slayer show? Oh, it was a like top to bottom. It was a great show. I mean, as you know, it's a completely different experience being, you know, um, in a essentially a hockey arena having excellent hockey seats, which are great concert seats. But I mean, being yeah, it's just an entirely different experience. So it's, it's almost, you can't even, it's almost like they're not even the same sport. <laughs> you yeah. know, uh, they're just so different. But, um, I mean, I mean, Slayer, you know, there was just, there's still always that vibe of, you know, the last time I saw them, it was the lineup. And I'm not like a guy who's, uh, you know, completely, you know, some people are fanatical about like if, if the first, you know, guitar tech is no longer with the group, <laughs> then it's not the original lineup. Yeah. I mean, to me, I mean, I, I, I put it this way, perfect example. I thought I'd go to an acid rain show and I have no problem going to an acid rain show. It's acid <laughs> rain, you know, right. but yeah. at the same time, there was, I mean, when you lose, I mean, Hanneman, you can't do anything about, I mean, that's just brutal, especially considering what he was to that band. And, you know, I mean, both off's great, but Dave's, a legend, you know, and it would be, you know, it, it, even if just Dave was there instead of Bostoff, again, not taking anything away from Bostoff, but um, it just, it being the final tour would have made it all a little bit more, um, you know, a, a better a better finality to it. But, but the show itself, the performance from everybody, I mean, the, the fire, I mean, what's amazing is that I know they've done this on some recent tours that I just, 
didn't see, but yeah, to me, Spire is so much better than just like you know, like the bombs and the pyro and the pyro. It's like you know, it's just this constant visual. There's no like you know, explosions that may be like drowning out music or whatever. I mean, that was just that's a great sort of. I mean, I don't know how long it's been going on, but a great innovation in concerts in that it's like, my God, what you can do with just a wall of fire. I mean, if there's any better visual presentation for Slayer than a wall of fire, I'm I'm at a loss to figure it out. No, I think I think they got that right. I think they they really they went balls out on you know this is the final tour and we're going to make sure that it's the it's the best production that we've ever had, and it clearly was. Um, you have obviously also clearly never seen Rammstein. Um, <laughs> no, I have. <laughs> oh, mate, that's a whole that, that go, go and see Ramstein. Ramstein makes that Slayer show look like a Rush show. Uh, <laughs> it, it's it's whole other level shit. It really is. But you got to like Ramstein first, and they're not everyone's cup of tea. Yeah. But um, yeah. but no, I, I I completely agree. I thought the um, I thought the show was was awesome. Um, and look, you know, you were getting this version of Slayer. Um, yeah, and... I knew what I was going to see, and it was great. You know, that's about like wasn't I wasn't surprised or blindsided by oh wait, wait where's the yeah, where's Hanneman? Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I well, yeah, and and I mean, I've um because I'm uh, obsessive, I I've been arguing quite a lot with people online. Just you know, when the tour finished and posting on we were posting on all Acid Rain social media saying you know look you know thanks for the albums thanks for the songs thanks for the gigs thanks for the music thanks for the inspiration and um and a lot of people just giving it the whole oh oh they'll be back oh yeah oh no it's uh, I'll give it 2 years and I just think then you haven't read an interview with Tom Araya for about a decade then yeah because i mean i mean it's 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 he's been talking about this for years as we're i mean at this it's per, it's a perfect moment for to have to address this issue because i mean exhibit a of why everybody has every reason to be suspicious as a general concept is the fact that Motley Crue is doing a tour after making the biggest deal like you know we have a contract which doesn't mean anything i mean yeah. Yeah, so like making such a big deal i mean i don't have a problem. Well, at the end of the day, it's like, on one hand, people complain because it's like, hey, if I'm a Motley Crue fan and they can still play, great. They're playing more shows. I mean, am I burned that, like, I, I mean, there's a concept, I guess, that, oh, I shelled out tickets for the final tour, thinking it was the final tour. It's like, well, did you go to the show on the final tour, the quote final tour? Did you enjoy it? Yes? Okay. So unless you, like, put out a second mortgage to get the tickets, which is stupid anyway, then just enjoy that there is more shows if you like Motley Crue. I mean, at the same time, I don't like the idea of saying this is it, this is it, this is it, and then it not being it, unless there's extenuating circumstances. But to your point, unless some dramatic change of events occurs in Tom Araya's life, this is it, and I'd like it to be it, because I'm I'm, I'm sort of like, it's there's not going to be a better version of Slayer. It's not going to happen. Yeah. And, and this should be it. I mean, it'd be one thing if, you know, Jeff was alive and they kind of, you know, then, oh, hey, they come back great. Or they do a one-off here. And there. But it's like, there's not going to be better. This is it. Let's just call it a day. It's, it's, it's a nice going out. You know, you can't say they're going out on top with, with 
a founder, principal songwriter dead, but they're going out as close as possible under the circumstances. Yeah. And Tom seems dunner than done. You know, as you pointed out, this is yeah. not a, shouldn't be a surprise. I mean, well, the thing is, uh, the thing is, here's another clue. I mean, at the end of every show, he has been standing on stage and saying goodbye yeah. to the crowd by the time the rest of the band's left. I mean, it's just it's just so lazy. And, and the other thing as well is because Motley Crue have just come back, a lot of people are going, oh, well, just look at Motley Crue. They said they'd never do it again. So Slayer will. And it's like, OK, let's take that comparison to its logical conclusion. What you're saying is that Slayer is saying they're never going to tour again. And in a few years, there's going to be a Netflix movie about Slayer's life that is going to be a massive hit. And because yeah. of that, they are yeah. then going to then be offered hundreds of millions of dollars to tour again. Because you can't just say Motley Crue have done it, so Slayer will. If that's your comparison, then you have to take the yeah. whole comparison. Absolutely. Yeah, And that ain't fucking happening. Yeah, that's not happening because Slayer's basically divulged in the course of their career very little. Like you know, and I honestly think that while you and I might, if they, if there was somehow a way to make a a biopic of the band, you and I and and, and DX Ferris, <laughs> yeah, and, and we'll be interested in it because Joel like, McIver, get, we'll get Joel involved for most people. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what, man, the people you've mentioned there, DX Ferris, you, me, we'll get Joel McIver in. Let's just make the fucking movie and yeah. get on with it. Let's just pitch Netflix. Look, you need the to make a movie about this. The only question is, the four of us, who is going to play which Slayer member? That's the only <laughs> question. Is it the four? Well, I'll tell you who I'm playing. I'm going to, be, I'm going to play the spider who bit Jeff. Oh, my God, now that... Can you imagine that spider? Like where? Like I'm sure, I, just based on the natural life cycle, the spider's dead. But somewhere on this earth, in some form of decay, with I don't know how fast these things decay. At what point are we, are we down to the molecule <laughs> level? The molecules that once were the spider that bit Jeff are there somewhere. Think about that. I, I, look, I bet, I bet that spider went back to its like its nest that night and went. Uh... You never guess who I just bit. And they'd be like, what? I just killed who? Crash. It was like, I, I, I just bit Jeff Hanneman, you know, the Slayer guitarist, and all of the other spiders going, you fucking arsehole. Yeah. So can, you, know, you better not have bitten him on the arm. His arms well, are really important. <laughs> well, well, medically, the spider was not the cause of his death. Yeah. I mean, I actually think, though, that put him in a bad place. He wasn't doing stuff. And he drank more and yeah. did less, which equaled a unhealthy lifestyle. Well, it was, so, so it, yeah. while it wasn't medically the cause, it was the beginning of the end for, for Jeff. So, and uh, yeah, I mean, the spider, it all goes back to the spider. If he was not in that hot tub. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, I think basically Jeff was in a kind of, uh, was in a, uh, a, a downward spiral. Anyway, he was clearly yeah. he was clearly either borderline or functioning or just a full blown alcoholic, and yeah. um, the the not having Slayer basically meant he had nothing. He had nothing to focus on. He had nothing to be fit for. He had nothing to do. Um, so that just meant more time to drink, and uh, and it led to what it led to. Unfortunately. Yep. yep. It's, you know, but also, the, uh, I mean, 
nothing much left to say. I mean, it's, it's, uh... But also, if you look at if you look at the last few Slayer albums, um, I think I think Jeff had had pretty much you know creatively had kind of checked out of Slayer as well. I mean, it was well, just well, except for World Painted Blood, he kind of had a I don't know whether he knew it or not. He went out a, a pretty. I mean, at least as far as mine, and, and, and I think that was. I mean, I have the opinion that that's top to bottom. Yeah, I think it's the best album from the season. But regardless, he had more creative input on that than than some of the prior ones. But what, that hang on, you think I mean, you I think Well Painted Blood is better than um, God Hates Us All? I do. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Wow. If we have, well, I was going to say if we ever, if we ever, if we ever meet in person, we're going to have we're going to have a, a physical altercation. But then I just remembered you said you're six foot two, so maybe we're not. But that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll, I, I'll, you know, we, we, um, with some booze, all bets are off. <laughs> yeah, you're damn straight. Um, yeah, no, well, that, no, that was, that's really interesting because I, I, I always got the impression that that, that um, Diablos and Musica, which is very much a Jeff album, you know, oh, that, yeah. it, it, I mean, he's basically he's involved in all thirteen songs. Um, I think he, I think he's like eight of them are like just Jeff um, yeah. and when that album got kind of lukewarm and bad reviews I kind of think I kind of think that knocked him for a while because he then went really quiet on the on the um, creative front but then sort of like said, came back on World Plainted Blood and don't get me wrong I think that's a really great album even the songs that everybody else hates Hate Worldwide and Americon I really love those two songs yeah I mean the uh, so I, I did a, when I did that, I think I did a, a, if, if nothing else, I plugged my own show at thrashmetalshow.com. We did a three part look at sort of the life of Jeff. And, and, when I, and I remember this sort of as it was happening. And then in retrospect, it was sort of given greater significance. But I mean, there was a definite change in the whole sort of Slayer um, process, for lack of a better word, after. Seasons after Decade of Aggression, because you know, you, you know, between that time, Kerry shaved his head and everything changed. <laughs> he became sort of in, in the in, he was more in the background as far as a the face of the band, um, doing interviews and stuff prior to that, and then after that, he kind of took center stage with with, with all that, and I think too with that album, Divine Intervention. I mean, Jeff did not have. He had one song, two thirteen, that I think he wrote, uh, with, that he gets solo writing credits. He had a few songs, I think maybe a couple, and then a few songs that he had uh, co-writing. But that was largely, a, a, you know, musically a King album. And, and at that point, too, you, you trace it back to, I think Rob Flynn told the story. Everybody's uh, favorite uh, band leader right now, Rob Flynn. Yeah. Um, the, he told the story about how on that tour, because that was Machine Head's first tour, um, opening for, or, or you know, first album, uh, when they were opening for Slayer, uh, the Divine Intervention tour about Hanneman, sort of, had that, he had that story about Hanneman, sort of like having this, yeah. literally a cry in front of him about like his hands being numb, and that's when arthritis started kicking in, and so I think that is when a lot of things changed, and, and you know, Divine was more of a carry album than, um, you know, yeah, as you mentioned, Diabolus was a almost exclusively Jeff album. Um, God Hates Us All was more of a carry album, though. Uh, 
the, the music to Disciple, the the most enduring song from that album was Jeff, and and yeah. he had you know God Send Death and some other good stuff on there. And then what Christ Illusion was more um, Carrie Butt. Uh, surprise, surprise, in my opinion, anyway, the best songs were Jeff's songs. <laughs> like yeah, Jihad, Jihad and, uh, straight off the bat. I mean, yeah. I've got to be honest. Yeah. Um, Divine Intervention for me is the is the low point for Slayer, um, closely followed by by Christ Illusion. That album just, apart from Jihad, um, that album just does it's not work for me. It's a shame too because the, the the sound, yeah, of Christ Illusion production, everything about it is one of the best selling albums they have. And Dave's back uh, on that album, like you know, Dave's back. Out. But as you point out, not the strongest musically. No. No, the songs were sadly lacking on that. I mean, and and which is weird because like Jihad is so such a good tune. It's 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 just great. It's got everything that I love about a Jeff Slayer tune. You know, it's, and and Dave is just punking the drums up insanely, oh. and it's just it's a great tune. It's a fucking great yep. tune. Yeah, and and then you know we get Will Peter Blah, which I mean I think Jeff had a bit of a Rejuvenation, you know, wrote some, came into that from what I remember as they were describing the process with some songs. And then, uh, you know, Repentless is obviously what it is. But um, Jeff still had, finding a way to have arguably uh, one of the better songs on the album there with uh, <clears throat> with Piano Wire. But... Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm here, sorry. All right, good. So, yeah, uh, see you for a minute. Yeah, so, I mean, it's, you know, they're, uh, I mean, as I think we, we started talking, though, nothing should surprise any of us about a band at least doing another show again at some point. But no. if there's a retirement that I believe, it is Tom Araya. You know, I mean, I, and as you said, every show, he was just standing there looking at the crowd. Yeah. So thankful, just yeah. so polite, you know, and, and grateful for, for everything. And and I mean, I don't know what it was like when you where you saw them, but when I saw them, which is which is, you know, just over a year ago when I saw them, um, you know, Tom was just looking out into the crowd. He just stood on the stage on his own. Nobody was fucking leaving. Everybody was yep, just stood there absolutely. and screaming yep. and just kind of, I think everybody was, in, Was it was kind of like we were all in the same moment. He was stood there going, this is it. This is the last time I'm going to be in London. This is the last time I'm going to play for this London crowd who I've played for God knows how many times. Yep. And those of us out there, we were feeling exactly the same. I was feeling the same. It was like, this yeah. is the last time I'm going to see this dude. This is, I mean, I've seen Slayer more than I've seen anyone else. I think about 17 times. And, and, to be stood there and thinking this is the last time that I'm going to be in a room with this guy on stage was just like, I'm, you know, just not, I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving until he leaves, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. No way. Yeah. I mean, I don't care, you know, I don't care about traffic, getting to my car and all that stuff. I yeah. mean, no one left. Everyone was standing there. And, uh, I mean, and I think as you pointed out, I mean, the rest of the band first, Carrie would be the first to leave. Yeah, I mean, I think if I have it on good authority that when I saw them in Pennsylvania, Kerry was by the time Tom left the stage, Kerry was already outside of Boston um, sound checking for the next show by the time Tom left the stage in Pennsylvania. 
<laughs> well, I, um, I, I did notice that very last show they played, um, the hug between oh, Kerry and yeah, Tom. Yeah, the hug. Oh, my God, the hug. The hug. I, I'm glad you brought that up because has there ever been a more forced and insincere hug than the hug, which everyone and, and Kerry insisted on keeping. He, it was so, he so didn't want to have a proper hug with his bandmate of 40 years. He kept his guitar on, if I remember correctly. Uh, not in not in the one I'm thinking of. And and to okay. be honest, I, I and it didn't look particularly insincere. And then there's a few seconds later where they, they're, they're, they're talking to each other again. And for me, it was... Was it, this the last, very last show or...? The very, very last show. Okay. Um... And uh, and to me, to me, it looked it looked sincere. To me, it did actually look like. And I think it, for me, the reason it's sincere is that Tom did it, because Tom and Kerry know each other very well, and they are not the best of friends. They, but I, but no, there is, but no. but but there is uh, there is a respect there for any long term colleague who enables you to earn a living doing what you love. You are going to have a certain amount of uh, of respect. And um, and I think the fact that Tom even went to hug Kerry means that he knew what he would be getting back, which was be which would be genuine. I don't think I don't think Tom goes to to to, to hug Kerry thinking, well, this is going to be fucking awkward, and in front of all these people, and <laughs> being and being Kerry, oh. he's going to fucking back out and try and fucking swing at me. I think yeah. I, th- I think it was it really was putting a full stop at the end of the sentence, like. Dude, I'm hugging you in front of the entire auditorium. That's what a unique moment this is, because this ain't ever happening again. Yeah. Yeah, I'll have to watch again, because I saw, like, the Hulk and, and Tom hug, and, and then they kind of had a conversation after, too. And, and, uh, but I just remember Kerry walking around. And maybe it also might depend on what camera, you know, footage we're watching. Some are better than others, obviously. Yes, and all, but but also the other thing that is worth remembering in amongst all of this is the fact that, um, as I think we all know, um, uh, the you know Kerry is not very good with feelings. You know? No, no, no. He if <laughs> if Kerry went, Kerry would have. I think Kerry's pulled. And all of his biometrics were the exact same as mine at the show. Like, he's like, all right. He's, I mean, I'm surprised he hasn't already officially announced the Kerry King project, whatever that's going to be. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in the, I'm in the same, I'm in the same groove as you. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious that there is something coming. I think DX has, you know, I think wisely speculated that. It'll be Kerry, certainly be Bostoff. Um, Holt's a different story because certainly he has Exodus to go back to, but what, uh, I mean, there's a reason he's been working in Slayer for the last, uh, you know, what, eight years, and that's because he was able to buy a house very early on, you know, for the first time doing the Slayer shows. And would a, would a project with Kerry, you know, be more lucrative, or, or can he do it in conjunction with Exodus? I mean, who knows, but... DX has often wondered, is it going to be Phil Anselmo, Holt, uh, yeah. Kerry, and uh, Bostoff with somebody on base? Well, yeah, it's Jason Newstead on base. I mean, we've all we've all um, we've all we've all speculated. I mean, um, Ke- well, Kerry is handing out um, two plectrums each night, 
um, uh, on this last tour. And on the front, it says, um, you know, Slayer, the end. And on the back, it says, Reborn in 2020. Ah, there you go. So, because I know somebody who was given one of these picks. And... um, so uh, and and they, you know I'm not going to say who, but they they pushed and um, and he was just like, well, you're going to have to wait and see. So uh, I, you know, I just think it's it, it, there's definitely something coming, and and the thing is that you know, no doubt. I mean, but Terry, again, there's no chance he's done. Slayer wouldn't be done if it was up to Eric. I mean, no, there'd be, a, there'd be more albums to come. There'd be more tours to come, and as and and the thing is, but Ke- you know, Kerry's always said this. He is, you know, he's always yeah. said that. Look. When the time for, you know, when it the time does come up to hang our boots, I'll be like, okay, right, see you later, guys. You know, see you at the bar. You know, but he, but he yeah. also said, you know, when you know when that time comes and we're not able to do it anymore, we're not capable of doing it anymore. Well, I think he's still capable of doing it. So he's like, well, you know, I'm, I'm not I'm not hanging this up just yet. Yep, no, absolutely. Uh, I mean, and uh, I mean, he can keep doing it. He, he's on on top of his game. Um, and uh, I, I think I, I remember in the late '90s, I think it was Jeff, ironically, who had said in an interview that you know if um, referring to himself, Carrie and Tom, you know, if any and if any one of them didn't want to do it anymore, that they agreed they would stop. Um, and obviously, it wasn't exactly that Jeff didn't want to do it anymore. He was. Uh, permanently unavailable to do it, so they kept it going. After him, well, I'm I'm pretty much convinced that um, the only reason Tom agreed to do um, Repentless was that they would do that would be that would be the the final album, and it would be followed by the final tour, because you know the the the, the words coming out of the Slayer camp after Jeff died, Kerry was obviously up for it and up for, you know, cracking on. Um, and Tom was like, look, you know, me and Kerry need to have a conversation. The, you know, the communication between the two of us has, you know, hasn't been great over the last few years and we need to sit down and really have a proper conversation about about where this goes, about, you know, what we want to do. And I genuinely think that that was the deal that was struck, that Tom was just like, okay, you want to do another album? Fine, we do one more album, one more tour and I'm out. Um, and I, you know, I, like I said, I've, I've got no, I've got, I've got no evidence for that. I just, I just think that, that, um, it wasn't an accident that all of a sudden there's a final tour, you know, we'll do an album, we'll do it, we'll tour that album and then we'll do a, you know, a final tour. Hello there. There we are. Yeah, well, that was that was really really bizarre, right? I um I was rambling on about my theory of um uh, of Tom saying right one more album, you know, after Jeff one more album, tour it, and then a final tour, and then there was this long gap, and I was waiting for, I was waiting for you to respond, and then I looked at my phone and saw that the call had dropped. So and, um, and I went on and on and on, and I think frankly, delivered some of the best and most insightful material I ever had, and it's, it's lost the history. And I, I, yeah, because I was sat here waiting for that brilliant response, and, and nothing right. happened. And then, in the time it took for me to to just basically take, you know, set the recording up again, so it, you know, it, it'd carry on from the, the right point. Um, I got, a, I got, a, I got a phone call about a vital. Um, 
uh, appointment that, uh, that I need sorting out. Um, and they, they, they got through to me and I was able to like, I was on the phone for like 30 seconds, like, yeah, I can do that time. Brilliant. Okay, great. Wonderful. And then I was able to call you back. So that, it actually worked out really well is what I'm saying. <laughs> Like the, it's almost like this, the, the, time, the last time we spoke uh, on my show where you had to go. That was the bottom line. You were in the middle of like revealing then what was the um, <laughs> secret future of Acid Rain, which all, we all know now what has become of that. Um, but you had to go. Yes. And it was over. Yes. And, and I told people, when, when H has to go, he's got to go. There's no... Yeah. He's a busy man. It did. That did make me laugh. Actually, that episode. She's like, "That's it. He's he's gone. That, that's that, he's out of here." <laughs> um, uh, but that's look. One thing I've noticed about um about your show, except sorry, we're kind of going like over to your show. We've 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 spoken about Slayer so much. Um, uh, obviously, I've noticed just recently that there's been a there's been a lot of kind of like old episodes sort of either being rebroadcast or reissued or episodes that haven't that have only been available on Patreon are coming out. It's um and and I you know it wasn't easy being able to find the time to do this. Are you are you struggling to um to get episodes out at the moment? Yeah, it's just uh, I've got a um, you know some some. Uh, and I and I keep it off uh, line, but you you kind of know the deal. I think I have some yes. yeah, new obligation, and which makes uh, which puts the uh, recording of shows lower on the list. But uh, you know I get them in when I can, and I think I'm going to have some time uh, in the future to increase the frequency. I hope. And um, but one of the things too that I didn't even realize was that um, you know so Carl Stern of When It Was Cool dot com. He, you know, runs the whole thing. I just sent him the show, and he, he puts it up there. And m- many of the early episodes actually were never on, like, the Apple Podcast, the Stitcher, all those things. So um, he's been re- re-releasing them either unedited or in sort of a combined package form, which is good for because some people, you know, they still just don't want to dial in thrashmetalshow.com and find all the all the shows, they they just want to sit back and have their uh, iTunes feed, uh, whatever it is, inform them. So that is, uh, you know, sort of um, holding down the fort until I can get some new material in the mix. Yeah, so he's just kind of, it's just, just, a, um, uh, just a holding place, really. Yeah, and, and it's actually, I was really surprised, too, about what I think is, frankly, some of my, the best stuff was never actually on the iTunes feed or um, or any of those feeds. So, you know, we're talking, like, the deep dives into, you know, early Megadeth, Slayer, and Metallica, you know, through Raided Blood, P-Cells, and, uh, you know, Master of Puppets. I mean, a lot of those, and that's certainly some of the, the deepest stuff, you know, as far as in, most in-depth stuff I've done, and, a lot of that wasn't even on the feed, so it's uh, good that it gets out there. Yeah, I think it's great when you've got somebody who can who can do that for you as well, you know, who's, who's you know, basically kind of looking after your audience while you're busy having to look after life. Yep. So, uh, yeah, but I hope to uh, be able to get back on the horse and uh, do some shows with greater frequency, so... Well, I well, I, I look forward to it. I really, really do. Um, because um, I was, funnily enough, I was listening to your, um, I was listening to the Exodus special, um, and and do you, do you know what? I think 
with some of these re-releases, I've, I, it's meant that I've just ended up listening to them again because I've already listened to them. Um, and I just, I love, I love the Megadeth ones because it's because it, basically a history of Megadeth is basically like a history of heroin throughout the ages. <laughs> God, it's like it's Dave and heroin. Because I just remember one of the things that struck me as I was reading both Dave and Dave's, uh, you know, memoirs was how Megadeth, you know, as a fan um, at the time, you know, grew up like, oh, okay, this is the original lineup. Like it was as if it was just, uh, this was the lineup for the first two albums, these two guys. Always appreciating that it was Dave's band. But then, all right, then there was sort of the oddball scenario with so far, so good, so what for once. And then they had that, the, the you know, I guess the most enduring lineup, um, uh, regard, you know, the, the Rust in Peace lineup. But to, to even call, while on, as far as having the same personnel on the first two albums, uh, on that surface level, looks like a stable lineup. It was anything, but I mean, it, it was you know th- those guys. First off, you know uh, Chris Paul and Gar joined really only joined Megadeth very soon before the recording of that first album. So it wasn't like they were really a tight unit going into that album. Immediately, Chris Poland doesn't go on the tour for Killing Is My Business due to disputes over I think like T-shirt royalties, and um, I forget the guy uh, who. Played tour uh, guitar on that first tour, and then you know they barely hold it together to record uh, Peace Cells. And by the end of that tour, Chris and Gar gone. I mean, it was like you know, it's a really a blur. That was to even call that a lineup of any you know is almost a stretching the definition. I mean, just how unstable it was. The, the lineup was Dave, Dave, Heroin, and Heroin. Yes, yes, uh, very much so. Um, although, although Gar got him into it, uh, yeah, I know it's a, it's a, it's a, you know I mean Gar man I mean that's a, an unfortunate you know story because I mean he really when you look at the drummers of uh, the early thrash bands I mean he had a I mean he was from a totally different genre him and Chris but this jazz fusion I mean he was just a different different kind of guy that brought something to the table that. No one else in the genre was really bringing at that point. Yeah, yeah, um, I, and the thing is, it's like I don't know the whole the whole Megadeth thing was just it's just it's a miracle they ever actually put out more than one album. <laughs> yeah, it's a, I mean the fact that Dave's alive or any like that Chris is alive, you know, I, I you know it, it's it's all miracles. <laughs> yeah, and I, I mean it's just. I mean, well, um, that is just, uh, it's its a conundrum, isn't it? That, that they just managed to keep stumbling along, you know, and that, and that you know, they, there was no management taking them in hand and trying to get them clean. It was just everybody constantly trying to get them into the studio, make another out, right, and just like, you know, push them out on tour. And, you know, everybody just wanted to keep the, wants to keep the money boat afloat rather than, you know. That's the thing is that it's sort of like a lot of these stories, you know, hear about, you know, stars, you know, uh, of any, you know, genre or, or even different art forms that are just the gravy train. You know, you think of Michael Jackson and like, you know, you know, just he had, you know, setting aside all of his other issues. 
Um, if nothing else, in prepping for that final or what was to be that big series of shows in London, uh, I mean, he had no business prepping for those shows. I mean, he was like, you know, my height at 100 pounds, which is like essentially Karen Carpenter level of uh, skinny. And, I mean, he's being, you know, you know, kind of just put out there because, yeah, that was going to be a massive cash cow. But, you know, and so on a, on a lesser level, I mean, I think the people around Dave appreciate him. This guy is special. You know, he's got some serious problems, but he's special. We got to keep him going. And, uh, but yeah, there was no thought it really, you don't, you don't read in those early, uh, at least in those early days, any sort of strong handed management say, hey, let, let's get you guys fixed up here and then we can do an album. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, it's just like you say, it's this, it's the ancient story of the music business, isn't it? It's like, let's just, just keep, keep everybody going, keep them, keep yeah. them working, you know? Um, and, uh, and it doesn't matter about the quality of the product or anything else. Just get product out there so we can get these people on the road. Yeah. And, and it's, it's the, uh, yeah, the, the time honored traditions of the music business. Um, yeah, um, it's, yeah, it's pretty fucked, but it's, it's, it's exactly what, you know, it's exactly what happens when you are that big, you know, when you were, when you are essentially a business and you've got people that are relying on you for their income, then there's always going to be people around you who are willing to sacrifice your health for their wealth. When you're, when you're that big and there's a, there's at least a singular talent involved that's like required for it. You know, that combination in particular, I think, just keeps someone, all right, let's just keep Dave doing albums. I mean, obviously, you know, not to diminish Dave Ellison's contributions, but I mean, it's it's Dave Mustaine's, you know, the band, you know, and, I mean, and, and as far as, you know, what kept it, what, what kept it going and what was the central focus. And he, I mean, you get, People, it's almost because the reverse. It doesn't become let's get him help. It's like let's get him drunk so he'll get through this next show. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and the thing is, it's just kind of weird that that um, well, I don't know. Just like that, it's it's not often that you hear like it's the whole band. You know, it's like usually it's somebody going oh, off the rails, but it's the whole fucking band. It is the entire band. I mean, you know, it, it's it, 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 it. There was it, that's the thing. There was no individual person who was in any sense of the word sober in that band. I mean, everyone was doing everything, and it, it's a miracle that there, you know, that no one in that time period even died. I mean, Gar died, but that was years later. I mean, that that you know, incredible. Yeah, and uh, I'm I'm just. Yeah, it is. It is a weird one. It is, a, and and especially when you see like you know Dave, who's always comes across as so headstrong and the leader and all of this, and that you know basically all he needed to be told by Gar was, look, you know, if you want to be really good musician, all the best musicians do heroin. Oh right, okay, I'll do that then. I know, I know. That that is wild. Because this is a guy who who just seemed to like you know didn't give a shit about anyone's opinion um, and you know has always been um, uh, you know marched to the beat of his own drum. But when it came to that, he was more than willing to, to like indulge immediately. Which 
I don't know, it just doesn't kind of... Mind you, I suppose he was drinking a lot as well, so... Of all the things to, to take advice on, that's yeah. the thing you chose to... Uh, I mean, I always, you know, thought of, you know, heroin as, as kind of like the final frontier. All right, you're doing it. You're not... That, that's some serious stuff. I mean, you hear about people, you know, sort of dabbling in coke at parties and this and that. But it, you don't hear too much, yeah, I'm just dabbling in heroin. I mean, that seems to be difficult to merely dabble in. And so, yeah, doing that, man, I mean, get get that that's, uh, I mean, just deciding, okay, girl, you say so, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, I, I, like I said, I'm, I'm just amazed that they, um, I'm amazed that they, uh, they survived as well. They've survived as long as they have, um, and the two brother, you know, the the two brothers, the two Daves, are, you know, just the thickest thieves. You know, they're, but they're back together. Um, I I think that's one of the most amazing things. You know, is that is it's almost as amazing as Dave being apart from Slayer is those two being back together. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was you know the. I think actually, doesn't David Ellison, he has released a second sort of a sequel memoir, and I think he talks about that a little bit more in depth. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, that stretch of it was about eight years, right? From 2002, I think, 2010, that they were, you know, apart. It's appropriate that they're back. I mean, really, I mean, it's obviously Dave Mustaine's the band, but the band is more, uh, since there's no sort of enduring steady lineup, I mean, the closest thing to it is having at least the two Daves involved. The band is at its best when the two Daves are involved. Yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt, um, it's just what it's just one of those things. You know, they they are, you know, Dave. You know, obviously Mustaine, he is Megadeth, but it's just a lot better when when Elefson's around. You know. Yeah, because at a certain point too, I mean, it might you know. I mean, he's, I'm sure, like, you know, while he has contributions that while they don't necessarily wind up being formal songwriting credits, they are, you know, the types of things that can make, you know, good songs, great songs, you know. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. They're just, look, it's just, you know, they're, they're Lennon McCartney of, um, uh, of Thrash. Oh, that's probably um, James and Lars, but, you know, it's it's certainly when it comes to when it comes to Megadeth, it's it's down to those two, um, and it's interesting that um, that Dirk, the new drummer, is 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 kind of like probably more like probably more like Gar than than any drummer they've had since. I'll be very interested yeah, to see how it comes to the together. Name, Dirk is 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 sort of has the most resemblance in a sense to Gar. You know, just uh, there's a similar quality to the two names, but yeah, no, they uh, Dave has said that that uh, you know he's the most like Gar, and you know just that. I mean, I wasn't familiar with Dirk before he joined the you know Megadeth, but I mean, he get the endorsement from Chris Adler that he's one of the three best drummers in metal. I mean, that's saying something, um, and uh, he's uh, you know I mean, he's got that. There's a fluidity and a little bit of swing that you know. It's, was, uh, you know, a hallmark of Gar in his play. 
Without a doubt, man. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Well, look, it's been it's been awesome catching up with you again. Um, uh, you know how you know how when you inter- when you interviewed me and I was like, oh, I gotta go. And um, yeah. I, I've uh, I, unfortunately I've got some stuff that's just come in that um, is going to require my immediate attention. No, 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 it's not unfortunate. It is a requirement. In fact, if the day ever comes that we talk, whether on your show or my show, and it doesn't end with you having to go, <laughs> well, I will, I'll come up with a reason why you got to go, buddy. I'll, I'll figure out it out. If, if it, that is the way it should be. Oh, awesome! Look, I really appreciate you taking the time out because I know, I know, you know, you you have got a, a million and one things um, uh, at the moment going on. So I really do appreciate it. Thank you so much, and um, no and uh, seasons greetings to you and the family, man. Seasons beatings. Seasons beatings. <laughs> on that note, I shall I shall leave you on that note. <laughs> no nice one, man. Take care. Adios. See ya. Uh, and there's myself and the one and only No Friender catching up uh, a few weeks ago. Top man, um, really, really good um, guy to talk to, um, and uh, really feel like we've bonded over our, our many, our many interviews that we've done, and the fact that I can just run off um, like halfway through, and he's like, "Yeah, no problem. Totally expected that. Saw that coming." Um, that was really, really cool. Really cool. Um, now I did say that I was going to, I was going to keep, um, I was going to do no, no friend, then Godless, then Dan. But I'm going to, I'm going to put Dan into the podcast now, um, and um, and here he comes. This is a catch up with friend of the show, um, uh, ex, well, no, he's current reanimated guitarist, current thirteen guitarist, survivor of Hodgkin's lymphoma twice before he was even thirty. What the fuck? Some of you will already know Dan. He was on the podcast um, when he was going through um, his chemo and everything, and he was he was on the podcast every month, keeping everybody up to date with what he was what he was going through. Um, and I, he was at the Acid Rain show in Scarborough, and I just suddenly thought, hey, wouldn't it be great to get Dan back on the show? Um, and so everybody could find out how he's doing. So um, that's what I did, and here it is. This is the wonderful, the wonderful Dan, 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 the Cancer Man. Not any, no, Dan, Dan, no longer the Cancer Man, um, because he survived. This is us having a chat just the other day. What a fucking idiot, eh? Here we go. Proper phone call coming up. Hello. That's more like it, isn't it? That's more like it. Smells better. Got your uh, your dulcet tones coming through loud and clear. That's more like it. <laughs> so good. Uh, good. Uh, yeah, saw you uh, not so long ago. You you never yeah. you never mentioned you were coming to the whole show, mate. Yeah, I thought I'd surprise. I thought I'd surprise you, didn't I? Sorry, not the whole show. The Scarborough show. Yeah, you, well, it was it, it was a surprise, mate. Um Because yeah. yeah. um, you know, getting to Scarborough is not the easiest thing for anyone. No, I didn't. We was on the way there, and we didn't actually. You know, it's one of those things. I didn't realise it was actually this far away. <laughs> I thought it was one of those ones that was only like forty minutes up the road or something, but it's actually not. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like well, it's a one horse town, isn't it? And it's like it's yeah. like you know, one road in, one road out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so I know loads of people in Yorkshire, obviously having like you know, been brought up there. And they I mean, were all yeah. like, on a Thursday night, Scarborough and back, forget it. It's yeah. just yeah. like, it's impossible to get to. My mum looked at, looked into coming, coming <laughs> to it, getting, getting the coach over. 
And that's yeah. like Harrogate. It's what, like sixty miles away? Five hours <laughs> by coach. Jesus. I know. Really? Yeah. That's a hike, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it was a. Uh, we thought we'd be on by midnight, and we didn't leave. Obviously, didn't leave the venue while half twelve. And uh, so, yeah, we. I didn't get in, getting home while two o'clock in the morning. I had to be up for work the next day, but. So I was, uh, I was absolutely exhausted. <laughs> well, but, uh, uh, well, look, I, I've got to. Um, uh, I, I think I kind of owe you an apology, actually, because I think. Right. Well, I, well, I kind of. Um, I'm, I'm sure I did say reanimated guitarist, but for some reason I felt the need to throw in there that you'd beaten cancer twice, like that. Defi- yeah. Like that sort of defines you as a person. So my apologies. Weirdly enough, you're not the only person that's ever done that. <laughs> <laughs> like oh. I, Dan, I, uh, just to introduce her, this is Dan, and he's beat cancer twice. <laughs> yeah, you're not the only person that's done it. Well, well, yeah. that's a relief, but only from the point of view that uh, basically um, I'm not the only cunt, but I'm still a cunt. I was going to say there are people who are who are as much of a cunt as you. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Well, you know, yeah. to, to be fair, up until now, I'm sure that that was a mystery to everybody, including anyone. All the <laughs> yeah. listeners are thinking, surely not. Surely there's yeah. not a bigger cunt than Howard. Well, apparently. Uh, yeah. No, as it turns out, yeah. <laughs> yeah, fucking hell. Well, anyway, look, thanks for coming, mate. That was, um, no, that was, no a... it was a great gig. Oh, thanks, dude. It was a, it was, it was a great, it was, a, it was just a great surprise, you know? Um, yeah. Like I said, well, I, I, um, there was a few people who turned up that I just totally wasn't expecting. Mm, mm. Um and it was um, yeah, it was awesome, man. And like I said, yeah, we had uh, we had like UK UK thrash legends littered all over the place. Mike, yeah, I know, Mike, I know. Mike from Reanimator, you from Reanimator, yeah. Um, yeah. Mac, formerly of Acid Rain, Phil right, from, right. Phil from Holosade. Um, <laughs> but the funny thing is, uh, people later said to me, "Were you like was that a dig at like Diamond Head?" Because I kind of at the end I went like, "Is there any anyone else? Anyone else?" And everyone was like, "No." No. And uh, and they thought I was having a pop at Diamond Head, but you know, right, right. There you go. Oh shit! I forgot to say as well. When I, <laughs> this all ties in, the promoter um, came up to our dressing room after we'd come off. About ten minutes we'd come off, and he came in and mm. he went, he went, "Wow, there's loads of famous people here." I was like, "Yes, yeah, it's, it's like you know, it, it it's, it's awesome." And he went, <laughs> and, and and the next thing he said, "Who's here from Cancer? I fucking love Cancer." <laughs> Oh, Jesus Christ. I was like, no, there's no one from cancer. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. It's like, I was like, no, no, no. Yeah, you know, uh, and obviously explained, yeah. and he was like, oh, no, I feel like such a cunt. Yeah, it's a good thing we didn't say it to me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, uh, from? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, is that, so is that, is that the first time you've met Mike from Reanimator? No, I've met him uh, because we... I knew Reanimated for a couple of years before Mike quit. Um, so, and we gigged with him and everything. That's how we met him. Was we we were supporting um, an Iron Maiden tribute band from Hull. And um, so, I think I might have told you before. In fact, it was quite funny because they were supposed to have a different band on. And so the bassist from this Iron Maiden tribute band r- rang up, and he said, "Oh, it's a." Uh, and by this point, I'd not. I'd heard of Reanimator, but I didn't really get the sort of history of them. I'd heard that there was some kind of big band from somewhere, but I didn't. I, I just assumed there was still like a active touring band sort of thing. And nobody really explained the history of them or anything to me. So, so Jamie rang me and he goes, "Oh, my mate's band's dropped out of support." So I was like, "All right, yeah." He goes, "But we've got Reanimator on the bill." I just went, "Cool." 
And he goes, yeah, 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 yeah. So anyway, it'll be a real good night. He goes, but we've got Reanimator on the bill. I'm like, cool. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like you've repeated it. You've repeated it like three times. I don't get what it means. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it was quite funny. And then uh, yeah, so we met and we got talking. It was it was Kev, who um, who sort of really, uh, who, I got, who I really sort of clicked with, and he he came on to uh, my house a couple of times. We went out for drinks and stuff, and he was like, oh. Um, I'll take some of your CDs and I'll pack them on to some people and I'll see if it helps you out a bit and all this stuff. And then it was, uh, yeah, so a couple of years later, then um, or maybe a year later or something, um, Kev rang me and said, oh, Mike's quit, do you fancy the gig? So, yeah, I'd already met Mike a couple of times anyway. I always got on with him. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know anybody who hasn't got on with Mike. He's, he's yeah. such an easygoing chap. Such he is, a, isn't he? He's funny as well. Oh, he's a fucking total laugh. And yeah. the thing is, it's like, Nights like that is is, is such a pain because I wish I could spend more time with you and I wish I could have spent more mm. time with Mike. Um, but Mac being there, who I was in a band with for so many years and shared so yep. many memories, it's just yep. like everybody else kind of goes by the wayside. Do you no, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I get that. I get that, yeah. Because it's like, you know, I mean, and funnily enough, during the song The Fear, when I was out and about in the crowd, he, he was at the front. He was at the front. He was at the barrier. So I, I, I came up behind him. And I put my arm around him and was like headbanging with him. And he's like, so do I need like, I fucking up. And he was shouting in my ear, going, "Did we ever play this live?" I was like, "Yes, we fucking did." He goes, "I can't remember." Yeah. Oh no, that's really cool. I bet there was a, a real good sort of bit of nostalgia for you both and everything, though. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he came yeah. to see us. He came to see us two years ago when we played um, when we played Newcastle. And um and he got up and he got up and did a song with us, um right. and funnily enough during Motherly Love, Pete our bass player, uh, Matt mm. was still at the barrier, so Pete went down right up next to the barrier, and yeah. put and put like the neck of his guitar over the barrier, so so Pete was playing you know Pete was strumming it and and yeah, Matt, yeah, and yeah. Matt was playing the playing the neck. Ah, uh, nice. I know it was a nice little bass duet <laughs> going on. Yeah. That was really fucking cool, man. Yeah. It's just, and it's, it's cool that everyone sort of gets on with each other as well because you don't know if there's ever going to be some kind of like, oh, you replaced me in the band sort of thing. You know what I mean? Um, so it's cool that everyone is just on a core level with everyone. There's, there's no like bad, uh, at, you know, bad feelings or anything. No, I mean, uh, not as far as I'm aware. I mean, um, mm. I mean, Ramsey and Adam, who were both going to be involved in the reformation, but didn't make it in the end. They, you know, they've they've done a, a band called Workshed, and they've they've you know they've just recorded an album. They've put an album out as well. It came out the week before ours, funnily enough. Right. Yeah. Um. Um. And um, you know, it, like the reformation kind of got them reunited, as it were. They hadn't right, seen right. each other for a long time, and they both realised that they weren't going to be able to commit to Acid Rain. But mm. they've they've you know dipped in and dipped out and put this. Um, you know this band of their own together and, mm, and just mm. done their own thing which is really really cool um, yeah. and and you know i urge people to check it out as well because it is it's it's fucking cool um yeah. and um ian the original bass player fucking hell he was messaging me through the acid rain page he's he bought right. a copy of the new album and he absolutely loves it yeah um and um and and uh, you know i've heard through friends that kev that kev likes it as well but i haven't i haven't actually spoke i haven't had a chance to catch up with kev for a long mm, time mm. and um and gaz i haven't spoken to gaz since he left acid rain in 1989 right. Um, right. and i sort of you know put an olive branch out a, a couple of times but 
no no uh, no dice. So um, right, right. You know, I'm I haven't got a clue what he's what he's what he thinks. But there you go, mm. such is life. So Fair I think. Enough. You know, it's it's all fairly you know it's all fairly um, fairly amicable. Um, Good. Speaking of which, Good. what's 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 going on with with thirteen and Reanimator, mate? Uh, well, with Reanimator, um, we we're pretty much on what do they call it? It's indefinite hiatus, isn't it? <laughs> we, we, haven't, we haven't put uh, fucking hiatus all that shit due to unforeseen circumstances. Fuck off. Just be honest. Um, yeah. So we haven't put a, like a statement out or all like that. Um, I don't think we uh, we have we require the pretense of a fucking statement as such. But I suppose at the same time we're still we've had a couple of people messages going, "What are you up to? Are you gigging anytime soon?" But so what's happening is obviously John left the band. Um, as when was that? It was sometime last year, wasn't it? So it was just after we recorded the EP. And John was just kind of like, right, I've, I've done my bit with it now. I'm, I'm I'm happy to put this to bed, sort of thing. Yeah. Um. And so, I mean, Kev's had a lot of. He was, he was because he's a builder. He uh, he's he spent the last year and a half building an extension on his house by hand by himself. <laughs> so just, oh, I know what will help me relax after work is a uh, as a builder. He's doing more building. So. He's uh, spent the last year and a half building this extension, so he didn't really have time to commit to any band stuff. Um, and then I started a new job, and I sort of I met someone and sort of moved in with her, and I was just like, I'm happy just doing one band instead of chasing two about that other people are not like currently sort of invested in. So I think we all just kind of, without sitting down and going, we're done. It was that was kind of just how it went naturally, sort of thing. Um, I suppose the timing of it was just a bit thingy because we just released the EP and there was a load of buzz about it, and oh, this is, you know we want to see this live and all this stuff. But we just kind of like, you know what? We've put the EP out. We played a couple of really good gigs, and that's kind of it, really. That's, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think Kev said as well because, like, obviously, you guys back in the day and everything, you did all the clubs and everything. You did you did all the sort of grassroots stuff, and they were really mostly the gigs that we were getting offered in Reanimator and Kev's like, I've done all that. I'm not interested in starting from scratch. If we get offered a festival type thing again, then maybe we'll think about it. But until we get offered something like that, then, you know, I've done it all. I don't need to do it again. So I get that. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where Reanimator's at, really. Um, at some point, we, we would like to get some physical copies of the CDs done. We message each other every so often because Kev's thinking about getting some merch done and stuff. Um, but as far as gigging goes and everything, that's just kind of that's been put to rest for, uh, for the foreseeable. I think, um, yeah. And with that team, we just kind of we dip in and out. Sort of, we're not as active as we was ten years ago. Sort of thing, like when we was uh, when we was kids and everything. Because uh, the other two lads have got three kids between them. Um, they're like settled down, married, and all this stuff, and. As I say, I've, I've met someone, I've moved in with her um, last year, so um, we just, we've, we was a bit more active towards the second half of the year, and we're, we're looking a bit, our diary's more full next year than, than it has been this entire, like, this entire year already, so um, we're already writing again, so, so yeah, that's kind of where we're at music-wise. Cool, man. Um, so... I mean, did you did you do much for the um, for the last album? Did you do, you know, was there, was there much follow-up on that? For the reanimator one? No, 13. 
Oh, for the sex team one, yeah. I mean, we. Um, oh, sorry. We... Oh, sorry. Uh, X I I I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and what was the other one we had? Z. And um, extra large, large, large. Uh, yeah, that's 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 got to be yeah. my favourite. Ex- extra large, large, large. That's yeah. that's brilliant. We got asked for a lot of those shirts on tour, actually. Did you? Yeah. Well, our fa- our fan base is mainly fat bastards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I get that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, we we I mean, we it's always been the thing. Like, the, most of our sets been like songs from that album. And we we take a, a bag full like a rucksack full of untable gig and we do and sell them out of that and um I mean in terms of like I don't know getting it out to people like if you're not sort of it kind of seems like when you're trying to promote a CD and stuff unless you've got a foot in the door with those types of people who'd be interested in promoting it then it's it's all about who you know in it and we don't really yeah. know people so. I don't think we're a particularly sociable band. <laughs> well, it's it's uh, it's hard without a label. I mean, one thing I thought about when you know when we were putting a new album out is like, there's no way that I'm mm. gonna, that I'm going to self release this. You know, yeah. um, it, it's it yeah. And then people talk about crowdfunding and uh, basically that's self releasing. The yeah. hardest, you know, crowdfunding all that does is give you the finance, not to decry yeah. it, but you still you've still got to set a record label up yeah, fill your fucking absolutely. house full of CDs and vinyl and and mm-hmm. physically post all that shit out yeah. um or get other people to do it and those people need paying and you've still yeah. got to create a company and it's like well fuck all that so yeah. hence yeah. find a record label sign to them um and let them do it and uh, i mean that's yeah. you know that's that's why i've gone down that route with because it's just like you say unless you unless you know people the only mm, other, the mm. only other thing you can do is hire a PR, and yeah. um, and I mean you could have got some 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 press off the back of having you know been your stuff you'd done with Reanimator, mm, um, mm. but you know whether whether that's gonna you know shift enough copies to actually pay you mm. the money back that you paid to the PR is another matter. Well, that's the thing, it? yeah, and, and they can be like an expensive deal themselves as well, can't they? Um, oh yeah. We, we'll be... We got we got approached by one a while back who was like wanting to charge us thousands and stuff, and I was like, oh, "Fuck off!" Yeah, like, uh, yeah. Um, and as, as I say, the other two lads have got kids and everything now and stuff, and mortgages and all this. So it's like, yeah, I, I don't know. It's one of those things. That I guess um, unless you end up breaking through it and you end up being able to make something of a stable, not necessarily a career as such, but as like you know, it becomes like a regular sort of figment like eventually you start going right what do i need to do to make sure i put food on the fucking table for my family and if your band's not paying the other thing that is is end up going to take taking precedent in it yeah yeah, yeah no, absolutely and um and how are things health-wise because obviously um i hadn't seen you for a while and then when we bumped into each mm. other and a night you know i had the amazing idea of getting you on for a catch-up for the end of this year and i yeah. told and, I, and what's the last thing i said to you I was like, you said, message me. I said, look, you message me because I'll forget yeah. because I'm on tour. And, yeah. the, and the other day, I suddenly thought, the fucker's not messaged me. <laughs> well, I was. That's why because yeah, you said, uh, you said I'll message you, and if you don't message me, you if, if I don't message you, you message me. So stupidly, I was uh, waiting for you to message me. So I was just <laughs> waiting until the last minute. <laughs> and then you rang me this evening. And I went, ah, shit, I forgot about that. <laughs> Oh, literally, yeah. just walked through the door. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake! It was only twenty-four hours ago, mate. Your memory's yeah, as bad as mine. 
Yeah, it really is. It's, I have an appalling memory of what like. <laughs> oh, having said that, well, it's it's all those it's all those wonderful NHS drugs you've been shoving in yourself. Yeah, yeah, it? more than likely is more than likely. <laughs> but yeah, um, health wise, I'm doing all right. Um, I uh, yeah, I, yeah, I think I'm doing all right. My my hands never quite recovered, um, like because like the nerve damage and stuff like that. So like. Especially, we got a new drummer a couple of years ago, and he lost a load of weight after he joined us, and that seems to have made him play ten times faster. I'm like, fucking five years ago, I'd have been able to keep up with this, but I just can't. So I'm sick. It was slow it down a bit, <laughs> but um, which is a bit shit because I don't like that. I kind of I like the uh, the competitiveness of going right. You're playing this fast. I'll play faster and all this stuff. But um, so yeah, my hands are not. I'm I'm not quite as good a guitar player as I used to be, and then with us just not practising as much as we used to and everything. So that that's a bit disappointing, but other than that, it's all right. And also, as I'm, I, I, I exercise and everything as much as I can, but it's, yeah, so and I'm doing all right, really. There's, um, yeah, everyone keeps going, you know, you, you have been through that and everything, so you do need to be careful, just be mindful of the fact that never come and be quite 100%. All right, I don't mean to say I can't stop fucking trying though does it so no but i mean you know it's a it's a it's a lot it's a lot to go through um mm. at, at such a young age darling mm. um <laughs> yeah. you know i mean it's you know you've, you've you've had you've had a lifetime full of cancer and you you know well you're not 30 yet are you yeah well, i'm 31 now really yeah ah well congratulations i didn't Thanks realize so i didn't realize you'd made it into your 30s yeah, well, yeah. At one, at one point, you're like, "Am I even gonna get that far?" <laughs> yeah, but, uh, no, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Thirty-one now, so I think uh, in May I'll be three years in remission. If, if you can believe it's already been that long. Wow, has it been that long yeah. since we were doing? Is that long since we were doing the regular updates? Mm. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that is that's that right. I I really hence I still thought you were in your twenties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's yeah. unbelievable! Right, Mad, I, but, I, but then again, I suppose coming up in January, it's going to be five years since I've been doing the podcast, which is just right. insane. But, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, wow. Well, um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know what to say. Well, I suppose yeah. It was what 2017 when you were yeah. touring with Reanimator. Touring well, about this yeah, time yeah. of year, actually. We we just yeah, yeah. we just done it all, hadn't we? Yeah, because I'm, I'm getting all the uh, the memory things from Facebook about all the photos I was posting and everything. But yeah, yeah, it's weird to think that that was already. Two years ago, or something. It's just bonkers. Yeah, I'm. I'm getting all the reminders of um, of strange Chinese um, drinks with yeah. dead lizards in them. <laughs> yeah, I got that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I like. I like that stuff actually. Considering. Uh, yeah, me too. It was kind of yeah. weird. I was. I, I. I do think that. I don't know. I. I, I suspect that might have been a rubber. Um, uh, a, a, a rubber creature in there, but it probably mm. wasn't. Given it was from China, it probably was genuinely. So. Yeah. Some petrified yeah. newt or something. <laughs> More than likely. Um, yeah, I think it'd actually be a bit disappointing if it was just a toy. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It wouldn't, be, it wouldn't be as a heavy metal story any, uh, anymore. It'd no, just it would, be would stupid. It? No. Um, no. So you were talking about the about that, you know, the, the, the nerve, nerve damage to your hands and not being mm. as good a guitarist, which I have to say is, is admirable that that is something that you're willing to just kind of put out there. It, it mm. must be... I mean, is that frustrating in a way? Have you found yourself picking up your guitar less? Uh, not because of that. Um, 
it's one of those it's one of those things, you know, like it, it kinda of feels like you peaked a couple of years ago and you're like, Oh shit. I wish I'd have kind of appreciated where I was at um at the time sort of thing, which I guess is something that everyone does with a lot of fucking things in it. So but you kind of you know, you just have that feeling that you've kind of passed your prime a little bit. No, um, no, not at all. No, no. still, still, yet, still, yeah, still, yeah, still, still, still got my pride to come, darling. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, that's how I feel anyway. So fuck yeah. you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you've no, uh, you've no idea how much the listeners enjoyed that. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. Um, so yeah, I think there's a bit of frustration, especially as I say, like the idea that I'm having to tell my drummer to slow the songs down a little bit. It's a little bit like. Oh fuck! You know you swallow in your pride a little bit, and I'm really sorry, Tom, because I should be able to keep up with this. But can you slow down a bit? Because my hands are cramping up. So. And you and you and you kind of feel like, wow, if if you know, if I if there was another guitarist in this band and they were saying that two years ago, I'd be like, uh oh, you know, this guy's got to go. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you'd be yeah. like, oh, well, you can't keep up. Then you need to fucking find somewhere else that's you know going to play a bit softer for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's a bit shit. Um, but yeah, I mean, I still, I still, uh, I still play at home and everything. I've, I've got a couple of guitars in in the, the the living room that I moved into and everything. So like, I still like I can write a riff every day, like every every day. So I think I can just come out riffs and stuff. And so the creativity there, it's just my hands just can't quite can't quite can't, speak, can't quite keep up as he, as uh, as he used to. Right. Okay. So, yeah. And that's and that's got to be a frustration. Yeah, it's a bit. Yeah, and especially, you know, like, you used to fucking sit down and I remember, like, uh, especially when I was learning how to play guitar and everything, and you're going, right, I'm going to learn Master of Puppets all down picks like James Hetfield does it, and you get to that point, and then you go, right, I'm going to sit and crack on with that again, and you go, fuck, I'm halfway through it, and I'm already, I, I, can't, I already can't do it. Right. Um, so, yeah, it's, it is a bit frustrating. You know, like, if you used to, used to be able to run a marathon or something, and then all of a sudden you're getting tied out after a mile. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I think I think every I think anybody listening to this who's who's had a period of of like you know being fit, and mm. then and then for whatever reason you know not being able to the get go to the gym or get fit or anything, and then and yeah. then you go back to the gym, and it's just depressing because it's yeah. like it, it, you realise straight away how far you know how far you've fallen off and how yeah. much how yeah. much work there is in front of you. Yeah, and um, that's the thing. It seems to take you so long to get to a point, uh, but then you, you kind of lose it in a tenth of the time. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 with, even with the gym stuff, like when I went in the prison and everything, I was, and I was doing, like, I used the prison gym every day I was at work, and so I was getting to the point, I was doing like 80 pull-ups a day, 80 dips, 200 push-ups, 200 squats, and I'd do that five days a week. Like, go back after that, and you're going, right, I'm going to crack out 10 pull-ups, and it's just not happening, sort of thing, so. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's one of those things like, fuck, I've got to get back on the wagon again. Yeah. Uh, and and yeah. work-wise, work what are you up to? Uh, so are, you, are you back think, in prison? No, I'm not back in prison. Right. Uh, I'm still, uh, I suppose I have to be, I do have to, one of the reasons I ended up changing my name on social media and everything is because uh, I ended up doing, and I got, went to another job in 2017, so it just before we did that tour, I guess. It was November 2017, I started. So, yeah, we, we did the tour in 2017, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah, so just before the tour, I went to another job. Uh, I, I have to be careful about, um, I won't announce what it is. Um, 
um, it's kind of more more involved, shall we say? <laughs> yeah, no, so, I, I I think I remember. Um, I think I remember mm. we had a chat about this on the uh, when we were on the yeah. road actually, and it was like you, yeah. you know you were just like, well, yeah, it's it's all a bit hush hush. Yeah, um, yeah, it's um, stressful, but I do enjoy it. I do enjoy it. It's, uh, one of, it's one of those things, but it's not just like. It's not one of those jobs where you can just go, right, I'm turning my computer off at the end of the day and I'm done. It's like it becomes a bit, you end up sort of living it a bit more and everything and stuff. And I think that's another reason the sort of bands have quietened down a little bit because it's like, yeah, you're just more involved in this job. Like you're just sort of part of your fucking person ends up being not dragged into it as such because obviously you go into it willingly and I do enjoy it, but there's part of it where you, you don't just, you, there's a level where you can't just switch off from it. It's not one of those jobs where you just, and forget about it. Yeah, but, yeah, but, but that, I do enjoy it. I do enjoy it. Well, I was, was going to say, by the sounds of it, it's you know <clears> that kind of job. Invariably, you end up, you know, sort of buying into it to that extent because it's <clears> because it's rewarding and because it's like, yeah. you know, there, there's it's more than a job. It's like you say, yeah. you don't just switch your computer off and go home. It's clearly more than a job, and that absolutely. means that there's more reward. Mm, absolutely, yeah. There's, uh, there's more like sort of risk involved as well, and it's. There's there's times where you just like you get home and you're like I'm I'm absolutely drained I can't I can't fucking function, but you still there's something about it. There's still you get home the next day and you still go back and do it again. But yeah, so yeah, it's, it's, it is it is rewarding. It's there's something you can uh, I think I can build a career out of. So. Well, it's like anything else, mate. Higher the risk, higher the reward. Um, absolutely, and, definitely. And and the thing is as well is that if you are you know. Being a creative type of person, and mm. and though and those alleyways kind of being a little bit blocked off, it's it, it's it's great that that there's something else that you can that you can. I sound so wank, but it's great that you can have <laughs> great that you can have something that nourishes that you know that yeah, part of yeah. you. You know, yeah, I get that. Yeah, um, yeah, because I think there's still part of there's still part of me as that thing when I was from when I was like. 15 years old going right I want I want to be like I want to be touring and I want to have a fancy fucking tour bus and you know what I mean I want to be chucking TVs out of hotel windows and stuff like that but you know what I mean there's I still there's still part of me that, that's still there a little bit but so having to kind of go right there's a good chance we're probably not going to get much further than where we are now sort of thing and that took a bit of a sort of getting my head round and kind of accepting just accepting it for what it is sort of thing instead of trying to get some a bit more out of it. And then having found this kind of felt like a bit of a like, you know what, that didn't quite work out how I wanted it to when I was 15, but I found this job, which I'd never thought I'd even have the bollocks to do when I was 15. So that's, you know, there's a bit of, you know, it makes up for it a little bit. Yeah, absolutely, by the sounds of it. I mean, look, mm. you know, take it from me, I have, I have, I've never, ever in my life had a job um, that has been anything like as rewarding as, as as that is by the sounds of it, and I bet mm. there's a lot of people who are listening, who are who are in jobs that are completely, you know, who, that are not rewarding at all, and are purely mm, a financial arrangement. So yeah. you know, I, I guess it's really you know the fact that you recognise that and and yeah. potentially you have a you know you have a career and it's yeah. something that is rewarding and that you enjoy doing, then you know that is that's a big thing in life. Yeah, and, and sometimes. You know, I mean, yeah, it's one of those things where you, where you sit down and go, you know what, most people, you know, there's a lot of people, like like you said, don't get this opportunity to, like, be 
because you spend like you, you know people go oh well you're only working working like 37 hours a week or something but if you take the take into account that's a big chunk of your fucking day and then you get home and you sit, sit around for like five hours and then you've got to sleep for eight hours or something if you get a good night's sleep if that and so you know you're spending a lot of time at this place where at this place of you work whatever so to hate it like which I, which I recognize a lot of people do oh yeah is yeah, it's it's one of those things, isn't it? So it's to to be in the position where you're like, you know what, I'm actually getting something out of this for myself. Um, I'm, it's it's a really I'm, it's a lucky thing, really, because as I say, I'm quite aware of the fact that most of, excuse me, a lot of people don't get to that point. That that's awesome, Matt, and that, mm. and that's a really cool, uplifting point to um, mm. to to finish on. But we're not going to finish co- totally because I've got some questions from uh, from patrons for you. Okay. All right, but for now, thank yeah. you very much. No worries, cheers, dude. And that genuinely would have been it if we hadn't then gone on to do so much for Patreon. I think I ended up recording as much again um, due to the insightful nature of the questioning of patrons. Um, So um, it actually turned out to be so good, I'm going to now put it into the podcast. Um, So good. Well, it's just that whilst doing it and I even say this to Dan during the interview it's like right now this needs to go in the main podcast because there's a lot of stuff about dealing with cancer in this and I know for a fact that well you know it's just life isn't it that you know people out there listening to this will know somebody or are themselves going through something at the moment to do with cancer it's um it's a fucking pain um and um so due to the nature of this next section being all about how he how he battled it and how he overcame it um it's really inspiring stuff um i hope you i hope you enjoy it as much as i did doing it because um the man is an inspiration just as simple as that so let's let's just pick up where we left on and here comes the next part of the interview with dan so we're back recording yep and we are now going to go straight in to questions from patrons, which were which were still coming in whilst we were having that conversation. Really? Uh, yeah. Um, so um, mainly, well, actually, yeah, from from Robbie Maguire and Carl, who, right. um, uh, but they're, they're quite there's quite some in depth questions. So, hmm. um, I'll just put my old man glasses on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> here we go. Are they the ones that you wear on stage for Keith? <laughs> no, they're fucking not, you cheeky cunt. <laughs> um, oh, you just wait till Keith comes to Hull. It will happen yeah, one day. Yeah. Um, so, this is from Robbie Maguire. Um, mm. Dan's cancer battle updates on the podcast were always interesting and inspiring. What was it that kept him seemingly so positive and focused? Mm. Oh, dear. Um... God, that's it. When I think back, I mean, I, I, there was quite a lot of different things that I was I was kind of doing. Um, I was, oh god, it's weird to sort of try and put yourself back into that. Like you know, after like I would say two and a half years ago. So yeah. I mean, I always I remember, I still remember. It's one of the things that I always tell people is when when I first got told, you know, is is cancer. I remember leaving the hospital. And there was part of, you know, where you feel like you've just been punched in the stomach. You're like, oh, Jesus Christ. But I remember, like, I got up and, like, my family was just like, what the fuck? And I just went, I'm fucking fighting it. And then I was like, oh, 
hang on a minute, <laughs> it caught me. I, I, I caught myself off guard a little bit. Right. But there was there was just the idea of like fuck you. There's no way I'm I'm fucking. How old was I at the time? I was 26. I was like I've got way too much shit to do here. So there was just the just that general. I ain't fucking going down without. Um, I ain't you know I ain't going down without fucking fighting it. So I think yeah. there was just that initial. Right, let's get let's lace the gloves up, sort of thing. Um, yeah. So there was that, and then as it sort of went on, uh, I mean, I had I had real good sort of support around me in terms of like, I would say, I went to the prison at the time, and the staff there were just like, I couldn't have chosen a better group of people to be around, and then my own mate and everything, the lads in the band and everything. Yeah. I think that was quite. I was I was quite lucky that the planets kind of aligned a little bit there as well. Um, in terms of who I was around at the time and everything and family and everything. So there was that too. And then as it kind of went on even more, like once the initial, right, let's fucking go for it, I'm having this. Once that kind of, you get over that, then you start thinking, right, I need to think of other things to sort of uh, keep me going sort of thing. So I ended up watching a lot of podcasts and stuff about uh, resilience and stuff like that and it sounds a bit wanky and stuff but but um, again going back to the job that I'm doing now we're kind of involved with psychology quite a lot and all this stuff so there's, there's like a um, I work, there's, this this guy who I was like watching a lot of his videos up and I was like oh shit right that's really interesting so like for example he's talked about what one of the best ways to sort of get through difficult times and stuff like that when you have a period of like depression or mental health issues and stuff like that and that's still quite relevant for if you're going through physical health issues, I think. And he was, I remember him saying, you have to narrow your field of vision, sort of thing. So, so say, for example, normal working week, you're going, right, I've got to get this done by this week. I've got that done. And I've got a deadline of about a month for that. I've got three weeks for that. Narrow your field of vision to going, this is what I need to get done today. This is what I need to get yeah. done within the hour, sort of thing. Yeah. So you're not taking too much shit on, sort of thing. Like, you put your blinkers on a little bit. I, t- so like, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. And, you know, in life, that's that's always, yeah. you know, I mean, someone said to me, like, oh, you know, what, what's the, well, you know, what's the plan now you've done the first part of the tour? It's all part two. It's like, yeah, yeah no, no, yeah. no, but the big plan. It's like, no, 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 mm. there is no big plan. That That yeah. is the plan. Yeah. And especially because, like, uh, touring is such a gruelling thing as well, isn't it? Like, like people just, I think people have the impression that, you, you know, you know, you go on stage and you play and then, you're going to be fucking partying and then you're going to be in a fancy fucking hotel. And yeah. especially, like, unless you're one of the really top flight bands, it's not like that. You're going to be travelling fucking hours in some little shitty van. You might end up sleeping in that little shitty van with no heating or whatever. You might be staying in a, a fucking travel lodge at the most or something. And gigging is actually, I find personally, fucking exhausting. Do oh. half an hour set. Oh. Awesome! Of really fucking laying it all out on stage, I get off stage and I'm like, right, I need to sleep for twenty hours now. Well, we were so, we, we were doing an hour and fifteen minutes, yeah, and we did we did that, um, and from leaving London to get to Scarborough to arriving at uh, Dublin, we did eleven hours of travelling. Right, right. Um, that was six hours driving to Scarborough. Then yep. it was five hours to drive from Scarborough to the ferry and then yep. from the ferry to um, Dublin. Mm. Um, yeah. and, 
Um, it was dead funny as well because like we were staying at Joe from Gamma Bombs, and he was like, "Oh, I've mm. got you know a Sunday. There's loads of stuff we can do. There's some castles and stuff like that." And we were all just like, "Yeah, we we really want to do fuck all." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. And everybody. Oh, Joe's a good lad, though, isn't he? I like oh, Joe. Top man. He put us up yeah. in. He put us up in his um, uh, in his guest house. Did he? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll send you. I'll send you the picture of the room he put me up in. Yeah. Uh, oh, mate, it's just. Yeah. It's oh, it's proper UK thrash legend room, I tell you. Yeah, yeah, I bet it is. I bet it is. <laughs> anyway, look, yeah, look I mean, I, I've totally gone off here. Um, <laughs> we were just um, where were we? Interested, right? What were um, right? What was it? Came me for? Was there any music that was special or important to you whilst you were fighting cancer? Oh, um, I feel like just just to finish up that last question, that wasn't a complaint about touring. I think uh, it's worth acknowledging that as much as as grueling as it is, it's still a fucking privilege to be able to do it in it sort of thing but um in terms of music i remember at one point that was around the time that uh the the mastodon album came out one of emperor's sand oh yeah mm. and so there was something about that there was even just the significance of it because i remember watching an interview with brent hans going oh this is about you know cancer, surviving cancer and stuff yeah. like that and i was like fuck right even if, like, you don't sit and read the lyrics and all this, because the lyrics are quite sort of, um, what's the word, like, uh, fucking metaphorical, that's it, are they? Um, yeah. So the lyrics are, like, direct, I, I don't know if there's any, any song on that album that particularly goes cancer, but just listening to the music and getting the sort of vibe of it and all this stuff and just, like, you go, you know what, I know that this album's for this, so I'm going to fucking take this as my thing sort of thing and yeah. it ends up becoming like an unofficial like your own sort of soundtrack to it and all this stuff and yeah yeah so there was that and i listened i thought i came across a group called death grips who are like i don't know how to describe them but they're like some kind of weird mental uh trip hop thing and the music and the lyrics and the vocals and stuff it's all just absolute fucking chaos <laughs> and i was like and i remember i was like there was something about it I was just like right this, and it's really sort of aggressive and it's really in your face and it's loud and it's just nasty and ugly music and I was like this 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 is uh, there's something about this that sort of flicks the switch for me and I, re- I remember even uh, I went downstairs and I went to my old man I was like dad listen to this and he was like yeah that's that's, that's the soundtrack for, for now in it <laughs> as wank as that sounds he goes yeah there's something about that music that fits for where we're at at the minute uh, no, that sounds yeah, that sounds really like that. Co- that sounds really cool, man. That sounds really mm. cool. Um, mm. uh, uh, next question. This is all still from uh, Robbie. It's all part of the same question. Um, right. In what way has your outlook on life um, and personality changed from fighting and Ooh. beating cancer? Oh, I've, I've had uh, quite a lot of conversations about this. It's really weird. Um, I feel like a total, I, I feel like a totally different person. Like. You kind of there's a there's a part of you kind of goes you know what um, I've been through this fucking shit thing twice I've fought for my life twice and there's a few different things that come out of that so one there was the initial sort of shock of it and the sort of the, the sort of uh, it was a weird it was a weird sort of I remember coming out at the end of it just going you know what the fuck <laughs> and so <laughs> yeah. there, I was a bit angry that my body had sort of put me through it. Um, and then there's a bit of it also goes, you know what? I handled that really fucking well. Not to blow me on horn, but I fucking did. I handled, I handled it like a boss. Yeah. And 
so there's a bit of sort of self-respect that comes out of that. And you go, and then there's a bit of it comes after that. I go, you know what? If I can handle something as fucking horrible as that, and I wouldn't wish it on anyone, the, the illness itself, just because of what it entails, and then the treatments and everything, you wouldn't fucking wish it on anyone. Um, and you go, you know what? I handled that really well. There's not really too much that I can't handle anymore, is there? So even if things don't kind of work out the way that you want them to, uh, you know that you'll be able to pick yourself up from it because, you know, you've, you've been through fucking hell and back twice. So. Yeah. Yeah, so then you just kind of go, yeah, well, no, what? fuck it, well, I'll fucking go through that again then. Well, not that specifically, but, I, you know, I can handle that because I've handled way worse. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, would, um, I, got re- I got really into sort of uh, fitness stuff again. And I came across this guy uh, who I really like on Instagram. He's called the uh, Andrew Tracy. If you like, if you're into like weightlifting and stuff, and he said he had a client who used to meet at half six every morning, and his client used to say to him, "Give me the most horrendous workout you can ever you could ever think of, because I know that going through the rest of the day, nothing will be as bad as that." And this this kind of has worked out for me in terms of my entire life, really. I guess. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, you know what I've yeah. been through that. So this. You know, I still get stressed out with things and there's every so often something catches me off guard and even when something catches me off guard, I guess that's that's the biggest shock now because I'm like, oh, this has actually made me a bit nervous. This has made me a bit scared and I'm not kind of used to that anymore. <laughs> so there is that. And yeah, there was a, there was a thing I remember saying, there was, I, had, I had like a drunk conversation with somebody once like a, a year or so ago and she, she uh, parents, like one of their mum had gone to it and all this stuff and she was like oh I can't believe I'm not and, and all this stuff and I said to her look that's not abnormal for somebody to change I said the person that went into the hospital and was told you know it's cancer he never fucking came out again somebody different fucking came out as as, as cheesy and as fucking wank as that sounds I, I feel like a completely different I feel like a different person just came out of that hospital was you know what I mean? Everything yeah. happens in the same Yeah. Well, I think something something so so momentous. It's not surprising mm. that it would that it would have a, a huge effect. Yeah. Um. You know. I. Yeah. I, well. You know. I'm glad you did, mate. I'm glad you did. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's a bit of it. Like it's still. It's always gonna be. It's gonna gonna be one of those things when I'm like 80, where I go, you know what? I fucking I'll be cancer when I'm 20. And it's one. It's yeah. gonna be one of them. So it's always gonna be that sort of pivotal moment that sort of went. The way that, that, that that's kind of like put set the uh, path for everything else that's come after it, sort of thing. It's um, yeah, and there's there's still a bit like my mates fucking. I I, I uh, <laughs> every time I'm like drunk around a certain group of mates, I'm like, oh, Dan's gonna start talking about his cancer again soon. There's still a bit of it. There was like, I think there was a bit of sort of um, mental, not I don't know. I don't want to necessarily use the word trauma as such, but there was a real sort of thing that you know, like cognitive dissonance. That like came out when I was drunk and everything. Yeah. So that um that that took a while to put that to bed. There was still a bit of like unsettled rage about being fucking about your body trying to fucking kill you. So that that took a while to get over. But yeah. That's yeah. That does sound like a difficult kind of <laughs> conundrum to figure out. Mm, um, yeah. And like you said, you kind of you you sort you sort of proud you proud of yourself. For getting yeah. through it, and angry with your body for putting yourself through it in the first place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just that, that whole thing of like when you go and sit in your, for your first round of chemo, and 
you get in, I'm going, what the fuck have you just done to me? So I think, why? I've never felt like this in my life. What have you just done? And then the, the sort of shock of, I called it the Breaking Bad moment. You know that bit in, did you watch, did you watch Breaking Bad? Yes, yeah. So that bit where he, like, he's rubbing his hands through there and the first time he notices his hair falling out and stuff. And that was, I had, I, that was exactly, I was in the bathroom and I was washing, I'd washed my hands or something and I'd put some gel in my hair. And I looked down and it was all just spiderwebs across my fucking hand and all this stuff. And just the shock of it and everything. It just, it was the, uh, you know what I mean? It just, it just all of that sort of stuff going, going through it all. And then the, there was, there was it, did, it did take me quite a long time to sort of get, get right with that in the head sort of thing. Yeah, and despite the fact that you know it's coming and you've watched Breaking Bad and everybody yep. knows that it's going to happen, yeah, but yep. it still it still doesn't prepare you for when it does. No, there's, there's just all of a sudden it becomes even more real. Yeah, you're already fucking trying not to fucking you're trying to get your brain to work after you've had all these drugs pumped into it. It felt like somebody had sucked my brain out and stuffed it full of bad, like um, not bad, well, you know, like that. Uh, insulation stuff they put in the lock. Fiberglass. Yeah, the fiberglass stuff, that's it, yeah. Yeah. It feels like your brain's been stuffed with fiberglass and then all of a sudden you're pulling your own hair out of your head, like in, in chunks as well. Um, not quite as dramatic as it was on Breaking Bad, but still. <laughs> I, don't yeah. know, I don't know, mate, you're doing a very good job of making yeah. it sound very dramatic. Yeah, 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 I'm good at that. Don't, <laughs> let, don't, don't, uh, don't let the truth get in the way of a good story. Absolutely. Well, well this will yeah. br- bring you back down to earth. Um, mm. Finally from Robbie... Um, have you got a top three albums of this year? Not blue stuff, though. Not blue stuff. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I haven't added that. He has put that in there because these guys know you well. Right, fucking hell. Uh, do you realise oh, that? You do realise you, but you've 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 got you've got fans of my podcast, but they're fans of you because of yeah. everything that you've been through. So these guys remember remember your experience that well that three years ago they remember that you you were saying that you were really getting into the blues and so uh, right. you know they're really hoping that it's going to be three metal albums it doesn't have to be metal right. but not blues right oh oh i don't know um no no albums come out uh this year you know maybe bands no, putting something out for the first time in 29 years yeah, <laughs> you, you, don't have to I, you know what i actually came to your album when i was on holiday this year i really did really um yeah, I did. Yeah, um, my mate message was going. Have you read the album, the Acid Rain album? I was like, "What is it out now?" She was like, "Yeah." Like, ah, shit, right? So got on Spotify and everything, and I absolutely canned it. It is actually a class album. Oh, um, cheers, mate! Thank you. Yeah. I was not. I really wasn't fishing for that. I've got. To be yeah, honest. of course you want. Um, <laughs> so yeah, oh god, I'm not. It's one of those things, because I feel like I've been a bit out of the loop sort of thing. I'm sure I could pick out probably 20 albums or something, but yeah. I just can't think of them now you've put me on the spot. <laughs> well, as, well so I'll tell you what, we've got, we've got a couple more questions to do. If any, if any leap to mind, then, then shout them out. Um, when did, oh, hang on, when did Sleep release their, release their new album? Was oh, that this I, year or was I, it last I, year? I couldn't tell you, mate. I couldn't tell you. The Science um, is by Sleep. I've fucking hammered that. Well, well, Robbie Maguire finishes to say, just also to say, it was inspiring to hear you talk so candidly and matter-of-fact um, about cancer. Yeah, no worries, no worries. Um, I, just, I, I kind of think um, it's one of those things, everyone, there's still that, oh, the big C and all this stuff. I'm like, you're just giving it more fucking power, aren't you, sort of thing, so. And I think because it's such a, 
people underestimate how much of an isolating sort of illness it is as well. Like people don't because you're going through this thing that not you don't know to. I, I don't think I ever met anyone who'd been through it before. So I think a one person in fact I knew had been through it before, and you just kind of it's really hard to sort of relate it to people without trying to sound like you're feeling sorry for yourself. So there's so much. And then just the physical implications of the fact that you've got no immune system. So there's a practical fact of you can't interact with as many people as you'd want to. Yeah. So the idea that I, I had an opportunity to come out and go, look, somebody else gets what you're going through. Um, Cause I've been through there myself and hopefully somebody else can listen to it and go like, I don't feel a shit about this. Sort of thing. So, but, and as I say, honesty is always the best policy unless you can get a better story out of lying. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Right, we now move on to Carl, who's got a few questions. His first question is an interesting one. How did people's attitudes and behaviours change um, towards you during the, the cancer period, both you know, either positively or negatively? Uh, mm, it was interesting. Working in the prison... Nobody, I think there was a couple of people who cried, but then once they'd gotten over that, they, nothing really changed. I got, I got ragged for having cancer, sort of thing, by yeah. my mates. I'm like, oh, you're fucking funny. What are you doing having cancer for? Um, which was actually amazing. I was just like, none of them, they all, they all sort of helped me take it in my stride by taking it in their stride. Sort it's, of it's what you need, isn't it? That you need, yeah, you, you, you need them to not make a big deal of it, not treat yeah. you with kid gloves. They need that you need them to take the piss out of you, like it's yeah. like it's nothing because that's how you're how you need to feel about it. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think if people would have felt sorry for me and stuff, I'd have gotten irritated about it because I'm like I'm not feeling sorry for myself. Yeah. Um, so don't you fucking bother. And I just I, did, I refused to see myself as a victim, as well. So, because um, as far as I was, I wasn't a victim. I was just a person who was about to beat cancer. So, um, and but yeah. So people's attitudes really didn't change too much. I think there was a couple of times when, when I looked really ill. Like my mum really sort of struggled with that. I think she said there was one point we went because uh, I used to make sure I got out as much as I could, uh, as much as I was allowed to. Yeah. So we used to go into the marina in Holland stuff every every third weekend and just get out in the sun because it was the middle of fucking summer as well. Oh yeah, I remember. So, so you like you're slapping on the factor fifty and you're wearing a fucking Benny hat in the middle of summer, and and she said it was it was like coming towards the end of it. So I had no eyebrows left, no eyelids, and all this stuff, and I was white, I had no hair or anything. And my mum said that was that you know that was absolutely brutal. So she said that she really struggled with that, but um. Well, yeah, I don't think people's attitudes really change negatively. And then, I, what the only thing is now is every every time I, I bump into somebody I've not seen for a bit, like, how's your health? Sort of thing. Are you still well and all this stuff? And um, yeah, and then I, for a few people, I ended up. It, was, it sounds so fucking arrogant, but I ended up almost becoming a bit of like a, you know, when you hear somebody else has had the same sort of news and they go, oh well, Dan's been through it. Don't talk to Dan and all this stuff. He's almost yeah. become a bit of a fucking. You you, you, you became it. you became a cancer celebrity. Yeah, a cancer mascot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did you yeah. did you have like you like autograph pictures to autograph made up and like yeah, you know yeah. little stickers? <laughs> You've met cancer Dan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I should do. I, yeah, I should, I should have done. I never capitalised on that very well, did I? No, not at all, mate. <laughs> and to be honest, I'm gutted. I didn't think of it at the time. We could have made a few quid off that, you and me. <laughs> oh fuck! I missed the trick. Oh, oh, seriously. Ah, uh, never mind. 
Um, Never mind. So, um, um, what one piece? By the way, I have to say at this point that this has been such a, a really interesting and in-depth um, part of the interview with with you know questions coming in from the patrons. That I think I'm just going to yeah. put this. I'm going to put this on the main podcast because I don't think it should be. I don't think it okay. should be hidden away because there's it, obviously you know the horrible thing about cancer is that we know there are going to be people listening who yeah. are affected have a family yeah. member or something yeah. like that and it and it was three years ago and i think to yeah. for, for them to hear your story would be mm. would be really inspiring and we've really kind of focused on that part of you know of of i was gonna say your career but having cancer is not, <laughs> it's not a career move is it no, no. not quite not, not quite. quite no no <laughs> so um so i think you know it, it, it it's it's this is too important to hide away on some behind some fucking paywall we need to have this out there Fair um, and this next question is 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 really made me see that as well which is mm. what one piece of advice would you give to anyone affected by cancer Oh, that's a tricky one. The thing is, like, I could be saying what I'm saying and there'd be somebody listening to it going, oh, you're fucking asshole, I'm fucking going through this and it's shit. Yeah. Sort of thing. Like, so, for example, somebody that I work with quite closely has just found out that she's got breast cancer and she said one of the things she's really sick of is people saying stay positive. So, like, it's yes. not like me coming out and going, it's worked out all right, but if somebody else is going through something and they've had worse news or something, yeah. I might be sitting there going, ah, oh, fuck you. Um, and I fucking get that. I don't blame them for thinking that. And you know what? Don't, it's not stay positive. I wouldn't say don't stay positive, but just like be okay with the fact that you feel fucking shit. Um, yeah. So one piece of advice to add on to that, to actually answer the question, so you're having two for one here, you're welcome. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I guess just find that bit of yourself that's willing to have a good fucking scrap. Um, and also have confidence in your ability to have that fight as well and to really fucking knuckle down and, you know, just really go for it. And also as well as that, not have confidence in your own ability, but also have confidence in the fact that, I mean, in, if you're in our area, if you're going to Castle Hill Hospital, I mean, that place is an absolute fucking godsend sort of thing. I, I, can't, I can't praise the place, the way it's organised, the staff and everything, and fair enough, it has some of the same issues that a lot of the NHS has, but considering the state that the NHS is, the way it ran while I was going through that was just nothing short of absolutely amazing, I thought. Yeah. Um, the yeah. staff just don't get enough of a fucking thank you, and I don't thank them enough myself, and I'm, I think they're all fucking... They're all fucking guardian angels, you know what I mean? I've never seen such a, a group of people work so hard yeah. It's such a, an emotional job as well because they're having to put all this shit into these really poor people, poorly people and stuff, and they, they're having to do it so well. You, you can imagine them going home just fucking drained. Oh, they're, they're, they are they are special people. They are yeah. they are very special people. I remember when my yeah. I remember when my dad was in um, was in Jimmy's in Leeds in the in the heart right. unit, and. Um, it, it was it was almost like it was almost like it's almost like he was in the in the VIP wing of the hospital. Right. Do you, right, know, do yeah. you know Do you know what I mean? Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it is. Yeah, you, it, yeah. I mean, you know, you, you can equate it to having a triple A pass because yeah. they because it, it it is almost like you're a you're a cut above the other patients. Yeah. And everyone's like, look, get out of his way. Yeah, He's yeah, really yeah. ill. You know, you have got people yeah. with like broken arms and broken legs being pushed out of the way. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And so I know exactly yeah. what you mean. Those those people yeah. are absolute angels. They really are. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. And it, well, well, here's a change in tack slightly. What's your favourite reanimator song to play? Oh, favourite reanimator song to play? Um, Shot Treatment. Right, okay. Now yeah. hanging around there. It, no, so that was always my favourite one. It's, uh, it's just a bit fucking. It's really. It's just cool. It's got some great riffs in it, and it's a bit. Uh, I don't know. It's it's not. You're quite sort of. It's not your bog standard song, I don't think, and it's it's just got some really fucking aggressive riffs on it. It was just cool. Yeah. Awesome, man. Awesome. Well, look, yeah. and finally, the final question from Carl. Final question of this section um, is. Um, is there a gig, you know, festival support slot or venue that you would love to play? Oh, uh, I really loved playing that second stage at Bloodstock, that first gig that we did for Reanimator. So yes. any opportunity we get to play on that again, I'd fucking jump at the chance. Um, venues, uh, I mean, again, Camden Underworld, I thought was cool as fuck. Um, yeah, I thought that was great. It was, and it's one of those things where it's like it's not necessarily the most attractive or anything. It's just legendary. So you know when you go right, I played fucking Camden Underworld. So it's just cool. So probably one of those two that I can think of off the top of my head. I mean, if I was gonna like really go out, like Rock Up Ring in Germany, like get thirteen links in the fucking fifty thousand German people. <laughs> yes. Um, so yeah, so, yeah, probably Camden Underworld just. And as even just that second stage on Bloodstock was just cool. Yeah, the Sophie tent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, look, I was lucky enough to play to do one song with you guys, and then yeah. and then play it the following year, and it was amazing. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? And I like the fact that it's big enough to get a decent enough crowd, but it's also enclosed enough that the people aren't too lost at the back as well. Yeah, yeah, it's just perfect. I felt yeah. like I felt like it was the biggest club show we'd ever played. Yeah, absolutely, and that's I think. There must be something about playing these arena shows and these stadium shows where you kind of lose a bit of the connection with the people and stuff. And that's what it's all about, isn't it? So, yeah, I get that. The biggest club show you've ever played is, like, yeah, brilliant. And, it, and yeah, I mean, that was just... It, it, I mean, it, you know, it went down really well. And mm. I just think that part of the reason is because it, it, it everybody there just felt like it was... It felt like it was a club show. Mm-mm, yeah. Um, Absolutely, but um, well, dude, that that actually brings us, believe it or not, to um, to an end. Right. Wow, it's been um, yeah. We're coming up for an hour, mate. Um, an hour. I know. Jesus. I know. You I got... need my tea. Okay, I was just going to say, go and get go and get your tea, bud. Go and get your tea. <laughs> Um, well, look. I, I, once again, thanks so much, mate. I really do appreciate it. No worries, no worries. Um, um, yeah, just cheers for having us on. Like even. Back in the day when you was having us on, like, what was it, every month or something like that? Yeah, it's, it's, it helped as much as to sort of have my own, like, sort of pseudo-pretentious philosophical fucking ramblings about it just to get all <laughs> that shit out of my system as well, sort of thing. So thank you very much for having oh, me on and not, doing this again. It's been great. And uh, No, it's an absolute pleasure, man. And, I mean, yeah. you know, it, I, it's it's... As much as it helps you, I know you help loads of people listening. And to this day, I mean, there you go. There's there's questions from people who 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 know you so well from that time <laughs> that they still remember what you went through. They remember the kind of music you're listening to, and they uh, and they don't want to hear what, what your favourite blues album is. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's mad. The fact that I mean, the fact that people are paying that much attention is just 
Yeah, it, it means a lot. I, I really do appreciate it. So thank you very much if you've listened to it as well. Just anyone that has been listening, I really do appreciate it. That's awesome, man. Look, let, let's yeah. not leave it so long next time, and um, I'll see you. Yeah. I'll see you next time we're up your way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do get, let us know when you're going to be up in our end or something like that. And well, yeah, we'll and sure I will. Done. And also, if you and your good lady ever fancy um, ever fancy a trip to London, or there's a band you want to go and see, and you think, oh, do um, I'm, you know, uh, I've got a spare room. You're welcome to it. You know, I'll give you a set of keys, and you can come and go as you please. Thank you very much. As long as you're not going to leave us in a fucking room full of uh, incriminating evidence that we're going to end up getting tarnished with, then, yeah, cheers, man. <laughs> well, I'm sure I don't know what you mean. Um, <laughs> well, um, no, well, put, I, I'm, I, you would be kipping in a room full of acid rain merchandise, so if I see you no. leaving the house and you're twice the size you were when you arrived, I'll know what you're fucking wearing. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> All right, mate, well, look, um, have a good one. I'll um, have a great Christmas. Yeah. and um, you too, mate. See you soon, mate. All the best. It's been an absolute pleasure. Take it easy. It's been my pleasure, mate. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So there you go. Um, what a guy! What an interesting, what an interesting, inspiring guy! What a what a positive tale! It's just it's all good. It's all good. I mean, apart from obviously having cancer in the first place, which isn't good. Um, but yeah, just what a guy! Really enjoyed doing that. It's really good to catch up with him again. Um, and uh, and thanks to the patrons who submitted those um, those questions and got the conversation going as well in that direction. Um, Really enjoyed doing it, and um, yeah, not okay, not exactly the most upbeat shit you're going to hear this Christmas, but hey, let's hope that all changes now, and I really am winging it because I haven't done the interview. This is the day before I've interviewed him, but I'm sure this is going to be great, and now an absolutely hilarious, brilliant, wonderful, uplifting, fingers crossed, interview with Godless. I hope it is. Yeah, I think that'll do, man. All right, sorry about that. No, yeah, it's I got okay. Plug in, but, uh, I was so, I was optimistic. Well, that's very unlike you, and that'll serve you right. <laughs> as usual. Yeah, absolutely. That that'll that'll teach you for uh, for being optimistic and looking on the bright side. You 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 idiot! <laughs> what are you doing that for? Oh yeah. <laughs> How are you? How's things going? Um. Yeah. All good, man. All good. Um. Got the first part of the tour out of the way, which is great fun. Um, album's been well received, and we're you know we're landing on people's top ten lists of the year, which is which is a completely new feeling for me. So um, yeah, that's been that's been awesome, man. It's been it's been a it's been a really good year, and and also it's uh, it's ending brilliantly because after nine months of battling with the NHS, I'm um, I'm finally getting somewhere um, with my uh, with my medication. So it looks like I've got my first appointment in January. Where um, hopefully I will be, I'll be starting on some meds, which will be an interesting experience for for you and all of the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> What's uh, are you allowed to talk about what the meds are for? Yeah, for well, for ADHD. Ah, gotcha. So and, and you, you you feel like you uh, like all right. So is ADHD one of the things that you always had and always struggled with, or do you think it's something that kind of comes and goes for you? No, it's um, it's um, basically in the last ten years, it's been accepted that it's uh, that it is present in adults because, funnily enough, it's a neurological disorder and it doesn't go away when you're a child. It's just not diagnosed. So 
if you have it, you've had it all your life and you have it all the time. Um, and some people have it too, uh, you know, it's like any disease, it affects, it affects people differently. Um, but, you know, I've just got to a stage in my life where, um, it, you know, it's, it's kind of, it wears you down and it wears you out. I mean, you know, it's no coincidence that I'm 49 and, and, and single and I think I've just burnt out every single, you know, woman I've ever had a relationship with. Um, I annoy myself sometimes. So, um, uh, yeah, it's uh, hopefully it'll help. Hopefully. So you're looking at it as a dating drug? <laughs> No, I'm not looking at it as a dating drug. No, <laughs> um, but that that is that is usually, usually you administer it for the dates <laughs> when they're not looking. Right? <laughs> well, I, I look. I've got to be honest. It'll be it, it's going to be interesting to see what sort of effect it has. Um, whether it will affect my creativity or anything. I'm just I, basically something to take the edge off would be um, would be great because you know that's why I've self medicated with weed all these years. Which is it's basically it's the only thing that can. Um, they can sort of like you know calm me down and slow me down in my tracks, and um, you know it's it, it it's it gets a bit it gets a bit tiring being wired all the time. Yeah, I bet. But you know what's so interesting to me is like I imagine that there's probably somebody listening who's thinking, you know, boy, it'd be so great if I could just get motivated. <laughs> you know, I just want to like do stuff, you know, but, and they're looking for the opposite. And so I guess it's really all about trying to find some sort of balance, but that balance is not something that is defined. Well, this is the other end of the scale, you see, because ultimately you could say like, you could say that, but, um, uh, ADHD is also a, a cousin of autism, um, and a cousin of bipolarism as well. So there are certain things that can that there are certain crossovers. I mean, I, I, I can get quite manic, you know, mania, highs, and I can also get very, very low lows. Um, I don't have, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I don't have, um, uh, well, I'm not bipolar um, and, and I'm not autistic. I'm just good old fashioned ADHD, but there are, there are all sorts of little bits mixed in with that as well. So whilst yes, I could be super mo- super motivated, but by the same token, um, unable to focus. So um, it was described to me as having a. It's like having a. Um, it's like having a. Um, it's like having a racing car for a brain with bicycle brakes. So Ooh, yeah, yeah. Ah. So it can be. It, you know, it can be great, but it can be a, a, a fucking nightmare as well. <laughs> yeah, I would. I would. I mean, I feel for you. I mean, it must be such a struggle. And then, but like what I imagine is like you're trying to figure out how much of the ADHD is its thing and how much of it is like your personality. And then it's like, you're not just like, you know, taking a drug to try to, as you say, take the edge off. You're like playing with your own personality. I can't think of anything much more fundamental. Well, it's. Uh, I. Th- I think that that's a very interesting point because I. I went down that road with the. Um, with the um, uh, doctor and she said, "Look, it's not about personality because that was my concern as well." And she said, "Look, it's not about. Um, it's not about personality. It won't affect who you're." Um, uh, uh, it, it won't affect your personality. It just affects um, traits within you that 
that are not necessarily your personality. They're just things you do and they're just kind of like the way you act. They don't actually make up who you are. So it's more it's more about taking the edge off behaviours, not taking the edge off who you are. Well, I guess it's like the, the how people perceive who you are, you know, because we, we don't know, uh, like, who other people are. All we have to go on to gauge someone's personality is the things they say, the, the way they make us feel, the way that uh, they act, and that sort of thing, which ADHD would be a part of. Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, look, we've all we've all got little bits and pieces here. And um, and do you know what? I, look, as much as I would love to continue, because we always just pile into the conversation as much as I would love to continue this. <laughs> right. I, st- I before I before I did the interview. Right. I've just, they've, the listeners have just listened to an hour of a catch up with Cancer Dan and, um, you know, uh, his his continuing recovery from cancer. Um and 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 it was all sort of quite you know it's quite sort of oh this is quite heavy and then uh, and then I I've I talked this interview up which I haven't done yet but I've recorded I've recorded up to the beginning of this podcast in the podcast so I've literally introduced and gone right this is going to be a really fun exciting upbeat inspirational um, this is going to be a really good laugh me and Godless having a really good laugh and we've gone straight in. We got my fault entirely. We got straight into the, the 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 fucking the world of medication and um, uh, uh, and drugs and um, yeah behaviours. Brilliant. So, oh, my left arm sore, man. So sore today. Oh, yeah. Dear me. Uh, you know, I feel really late. I feel really late. So so hang on, man. Right. Okay. Look. You've done you've done loads of homework for this, of which of course I have done none. So um, uh, yeah, um, let let's let you get cracking. Yeah, you've you've done all the homework. You've got all your notes. Come on, say say what you've got to well, say about the year. A few days ago, we were on the the, the direct message on Twitter, and like uh, uh, the thing that was sticking out to me is that you know we like the big story of the year, right? Big story of the year. The biggest story, the only thing that everybody should have been talking about all year long that nobody seemed to really talk about, it just kind of went off, like, without much fanfare, was the end of Slayer. And, like, that to me is it's pretty shocking, you know? I mean, I know I haven't been up, up, up on all the metal sites and metal news and you know, checking out what the people are uh, uh, on the message boards talking about and all that stuff. But there was almost no, there weren't like big features on, you know, like, you know, why Slayer is important or, you know, the first time I heard Slayer and all the stuff that you would have expected. I mean, I think Lemmy, uh, you know, Lemmy Dine probably had more fanfare than Slayer hanging it up. And to me, it's criminal. I I completely agree, um, as I did the other day. I completely agree with you. I think part of it is because, um, and in fact, you mentioned this, and, you know, is it the Motley Crue factor? Is Motley Crue coming back just made Slayer quitting just seem like a really empty, hollow gesture, which I think we both totally agree is absolutely not the fucking point. Well, and I think I said this, yeah. That uh, the the Slayer farewell is the only farewell, I believe. Like yeah. they, they are done. They are absolutely done. 
And yeah. uh, uh, man, it's, it, it makes me sad. But like, God damn it, Molly Crew ruining music again. I mean, I, I was see, Molly Crew almost single-handedly created Napster. You remember Napster, and everybody dived into downloading you know, all the songs that they wanted and they could get rid of all the files that they didn't want. You know why that was, was because people were sick to death of spending 15, 16 bucks to buy a, buy a full-length album based on a single song. And people have been doing that with Molly Crew for years and everybody knows that Molly Crew only ever had one good song per album. The rest of the album sucks. Their greatest hits is almost as bad. It's got three good songs on it. The rest of it sucks. And you know, so Molly Crew ruined music. They were among them. It was like them and TLC and all the other pop stuff that came around in, in the, uh, the late 80s, early 90s that, that was just like all this, like, uh, uh, one one good song, the rest of it's crap. One good song, the rest of it's crap. And, and I know mean, this Molly Crew. They're pooping on the death of Slayer? Come on. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I found that um, comparison incredibly annoying. Which um, which I have mentioned elsewhere on this podcast, actually, just um, it it's just irritates me. I think it's really easy to be, um, I think it's really really easy to be um, cynical of uh, of the whole Slayer thing, but I also think it's 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 just you know people going oh well you know and just reeling off all of these bands who said they quit and came back and all the rest of it. It's like yeah, and none of them are Slayer. You know, yeah. uh, Kerry. If Kerry King says he's done, he's fucking done. Simple as that. And I, and I tell you what, I am. I've got a sneaking, sneaking suspicion we might even get a Slayer Mark Three come next year. I really, genuinely think Kerry may even go with the. Do you know what? I'm not fucking doing anything new. I'm just going to do Slayer, and I'm going to change it up again, and I'm going to get a bass player and a and a singer. Yeah, do like the songs of Slayer or something. Well, or or potentially a new album. I mean, I I I mean, I know people keep talking about it, but it's just, and whether he's reliable or not enough is another question. But Phil Anselmo is probably one of the only people who could actually walk into Slayer and people would go, "Yeah, okay, I'll 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 give this a listen." Mm. I'm, I you know, I again, and I I note from your from the tone of your hmm. That you're not sure, and I, I totally, I get that. I am not sure, also. You know, I'm, I'm not saying I have any like any answers here or anything like that, or anything, of the, or any of this is actually even likely to happen. But I'd, I'd kind of listen. You know, I, I, I it, it might interest me to hear Anselmo singing new Slayer stuff that we haven't heard before. Do you think that? The fact that Lombardo was not involved was, you know, sort of added to that cynicism. Um, no, I, I don't think so because I think anybody who had that attitude had that attitude prior to the final tour being announced. Anyway, I don't think I don't think anyone heard there was a final tour and going, oh well, that's it. That's the last straw for me. Uh, you know, Dave's not doing that. Uh, you know they haven't invited Dave back, so now I really am done with him. I mean, maybe for a few people, but I would just say that they missed the boat in that case. I mean, Dave signed his own death warrant. You know, you against you. I'm well documentedly. I'm well well documented as being down as coming down on the side of of Kerry and Tom on that one. 
Dave was badly advised and, um, you know, and tried to shaft his bandmates and basically tried to hold everyone for ransom and say, well, you know, I can't go to Australia and if I can't go, that means we can't play and we'll get sued, so you have to agree to my demands. And you don't do that to people you're in business with unless you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> well, yeah, he wasn't smart on the business plan, that's for sure. No. Uh, but, yeah, you know, I think it, yeah, it, it went both ways, but, uh, yeah, certainly. But, it, like, you know... The, the idea that, you know, the thing that they compare it to is, you know, uh, 2018 was the end of Black Sabbath, which, you know, it, those guys are 104 each, and I still don't believe that that's the last we'll see of them. Yeah. And, but, like, when uh, Bill Ward wasn't involved, there was a lot of, like, whoa, 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 why not Bill? You know, where's Bill? And I never got that sense with with Lombardo that like people were like, whoa, 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 where's Lombardo? Like, it's like everybody was kind of like, you know, it'd be nice, but we know that's not happening. Yeah. And he wasn't on the last album. And, you know, I think, I think, you know, that situation had really moved on. I mean, there's even a song on Repentless about him and his, you know, his failed attempt to shaft everyone in Slayer. So, um, you know, I, I, yeah, I, I, I didn't get that at all. I really didn't. Do you think that the fact that there's like no like um, celebration of the end, like that it's going to impact their legacy? No, I think um, I think for I, I I agree with your. There should have been more more made of it. There should have been, um, you know, every fucking rock magazine cover that month or the month of the final show should have been should have been slayer and and there should have been articles with just every fucking um musician you can think of being asked to name their favorite slayer song or how did they discover slayer or do they have a slayer t-shirt you know i mean really and it should have been broad it should have been across actors movie directors musicians ceos sports stars everything you know really really feel like the metal community should have pushed the fucking boat out and really done something special. And it just seems, they just seems to have kind of just gone off with a whimper. I mean, not so much. Well, then again, you know, the tour, they toured for over a year, that final tour. Um, and here's another point as well. People going, oh yeah, no, no, they'll be back. They'll be back. It's like, have you not seen Tom at the end of every gig, you know, spending at least five minutes on stage, Taking it in every fucking night. He's he's doing doing that for a reason. Yeah. Yep. You bet. And he's not doing it for the audience. He's doing it for himself. Yeah. Thank absolutely. God. Yeah. Well, no. Maybe. Yeah. Well, maybe he's doing it for both. Maybe he's he is doing it for both. He's he's doing it for him, which is his reasons, his chance to say goodbye and save the moment. And I'm never doing this. But also, those are the same reasons as the fans. Because I remember when and I, I mentioned this on my chat to no friend, but um, I remember going to the last the last show in at Wembley, and the show finished, and Tom stood there on his own, and no fucker moved. You know, no nobody was leaving. The house lights were on, but you didn't see people pouring for the exits. Everybody was stood there, just cheering Tom. Yeah, it was how, it, it was insane. How how. What's the over-under on when he cuts his hair and, like, really embraces the old man thing? Well, according to Tobias Forge, he's going to be um, he's going to be a full-time fucking Santa, isn't he, the fucking cock? Um, yeah, Tobi- <laughs> Tobias Forge thinks that he that he, he would make a great Santa. Apparently, that is uh, the world we live in now. 
That is news. That gets reported as news. What the fuck? Honestly. I mean, I'm trying to think of, like, I, 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 now that I'm living back in Texas, I, I'm really, I, I, I think i got to get get Chuck and the two of us have got to get in his car and we got to drive to, to Tom's hometown just to kind of see if we can get a lay of the land. Like, what the hell is the life of Tom Morea post post Slayer? What does that even look like? Oh, yeah, you got to do it, man. Get the two of you down there for a... Chuck and Godless on the road special. Chuck and Godless hunt down Tom Araya. Chuck and hunt them down. Like, I mean, I know it's a little creepy and all that sort of thing, but, like, I'm just so... You know, it, my understanding is that that town is just middle nowhere. Just nothingville. You know, like, um, you know, it's, a, it's the, the town that the doctor gets sent to, like, on an on his, uh, internship, and, you know, he falls for the local farm girl and never leaves. You know, it's that type of little town, you know? Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I mean, what's he going to do? Like, I, what is Tom O'Reilly's like? Does he wake up whenever he feels like it and then watches, like, Oprah reruns that he missed for years and years? I mean, what does he do? Well, I would imagine it's going to start off by doing all the things that he hasn't been able to do, which is just waking up in the morning, having breakfast, and just hanging and chilling, and he'll be doing all of the stuff that he, that he does, um... Before he goes away on tour, but except he's going to have you know a bit more to go at, you know, and he's he's not disappearing on tour. So I don't know, you know. I guess not having a family, I wouldn't know, you know. I spend most of the time avoiding mine. <laughs> um, so uh, well, like, I mean, the kids have got to be almost college age if they're not already in college and or out of high school or whatever you know secondary school and. Uh, you know, doing pursuing their own lives, whatever that ends up being. Uh, you know, so I don't, you know, I mean, he's got the wife, but is he, like, throw on some gloves and then, you know, tend to his garden? Or, you know, like, you gotta, you need something to kind of, like, get you through the day. Some sort of, I mean, I mean <laughs> sort of wraps back, you know, like, even without ADHD, you still, like, want to do something during the day, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, well, I don't know, you know. Fucking not a clue, dude. Not a clue. Oh, oh these are the questions. These are the questions, you know. Like, the, this is, this is to me, is like almost more interesting than the end of Slack. Like, what's Tom Morea doing today? You know, that should be a reality show. Uh, yeah, uh, well, maybe not, mate. Maybe it's, maybe it's just you on that one. Um, <laughs> uh, and and I, I think that is quite likely. Um so, uh, so look, um, uh, covering Slayer, which I, I, I completely agree. I completely agree. I really do think that um, the, the the metal community missed a trick there. Um, I assume you put put them on the Mount Rushmore of metal, right? Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. Okay, Although you are sounding you're, you're sounding a bit like Jamie Jaster now. Because fucking, some some somebody mentioned somebody mentioned barbecue sauce. Oh, which barbecue sauce would, be, would you would be on your Mount Rushmore, man? Oh, I like cats and dogs. Which oh, which, what what cats would be on your Mount Rushmore? He's got a fucking round, Mount Rushmore for the fucking socks in his drawer. That motherfucker. Um, but uh, yes, yes, they they without a doubt, without a doubt. Right now, let's get come on, let's crack on, let's do what we said we'd do. I want to get your your best albums and shit of of 2019. How many have you got? 
Well, all right. So I did a, I did, I put together my top 10, but I, you know, what's funny is like, uh, uh, I've got a, a buddy on, on Twitter that I was DMing with and, uh, the other day and just, I was like, all right, so what's your, what's your list? And he sends it to me. And like, I hadn't heard of like six of the bands on the list. I hadn't even heard of them. And I'm like, what are, are these like, are these all band camp bands, which are tech death bands that nobody's heard of or what? No, no, no. You know, it's just people listen to home, oh, man. So I feel totally out of it. Well, this is well. Well, this is going to be this is going to be interesting because you're going to tell me your top ten, and I won't have heard of six of those bands. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you might be surprised. I mean, I think most of them are 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 fairly, uh, you know, like popular. Really, actually, probably all of them. Although there's one that I don't know if you're familiar with this. She didn't get my top ten, but don't- like. It really is an album that everybody needs to listen to. And like, for me, this album is kind of like, um, it's like, I'm incredibly impressed by it. I am incredibly, um, uh, I'm in awe of the artistry. I will probably never listen to it again. It's like a, it's like a, um, can uh, can I have a guess uh, who you're going to say? Can I have a guess who you're going to say? Yeah. Yeah. Are you going to say Poppy? No. Oh, never mind. I was going to say Caligula. Right. Never, never heard, never heard of her. It, whatever. Oh, yeah. Oh my goodness. It's um. I, I don't know. I get the shivers thinking about it. It's one of the scariest albums I've ever listened to. It's like a cattle decapitation video. Like, okay, I'm really impressed. I'm never doing that again. You know. Um, and and it's it is popping up on a lot of people's top tens and. I, I just fear for the those people who like would listen to this, you know, repeatedly because it's that's a tough one. I, it's it's something that I almost would fear being desensitized of. But uh, yeah, so it's not in my top ten, but it, it it's like got this sort of you know truly honorable mention. You know, it's um uh, just a yeah a, 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 an album for folks who really like their music to be scary and. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, just really pro- progressive, but not in that that sense of uh, you know how many notes can I play and how quickly. Yeah. But progressive is the idea of doing something really, really new with the music. Uh, that that's uh, an album I really uh, I recommend for uh, for everybody. Cool, man. Cool. All right. Well, um, um. So do you want to uh, right? Are, are you gonna? Do you want to make? I've got I've got a top ten, and I've got kind of okay. f- four. Um, yeah, four honourable mentions. So, um, uh, do, do you want to go with your honourable mentions first? Well, that would, that's my one and only. Right, okay. All right, well, my, my honourable mentions are um, Exorder, Slipknot, Tool, and Agnostic Front. Oh, okay. So, I love that Exorder album. Uh, so, but, you know, the thing is, is that... Like, you would think, it's like 25 years later, you would think that these guys would, like, have figured out how to write a hook. <laughs> and they haven't been. You know, but it's great thrash. It's just completely hookless thrash. Yes, c- completely hookless thrash. That that should be on the poster. <laughs> <laughs> completely oh, hookless thrash. And let people figure <laughs> out if that's if that's a good thing or a bad thing. You know, I'm not saying if that's good or bad. I'm just saying that this is completely hookless thrash. You know? Yeah, I mean, I, I remember when they when they first came out, the law and um, oh, 
was the uh, Slaughter in the Vatican, especially, right? Uh, Freaking great album, super technical, definitely unique sounding. And then, like, here comes Pantera, who, as far as I'm concerned, directly ripped off Exhorter sound wise, but then, like, filled the music with hooks. It was like, it was like, it was, uh, yeah, it was just, they did Exhorter, but. With hooks, and then so I thought, well, now that Pantera's you know <laughs> really dead and gone, like here's an opportunity for Exhorter to go, hey, we're gonna take our uh, take our sound back, and we're gonna show you how we could have written hooks just like Pantera did, and they didn't. They just go, this is us doing us again, and I was like, well, all right, that's cool, but could you write one hook, just something I can you know hold on to? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, 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 I'll go with that. Okay, well, well, that's quite the discussion on an album that is not in my top ten. Is it in your top ten? Uh, let's see. Uh, should, we, should we go one by one? Well, well, is Exorder in your top ten? Oh, no, no, it didn't matter. Fucking didn't hell, matter. right, okay. All right, brilliant. So we've got, uh, Jesus, God knows how enthusiastic uh-huh. you're going to get with stuff that you actually like. Um, <laughs> yeah, like... like... Slipknot didn't make my top ten. I, to be honest with you, I still haven't even listened to the new Tool. Um, I just, I don't know. I like I'm not a Tool guy. And it's it's years, Tool, years. mate. It's it's Tool. Yeah. So yeah. there you go. I mean, I, it's one of those albums where I kind of figure I kind of feel bad because Tool are at the point now where if you don't like them, it's your fault. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's like they're at that stage for a band now. Like where they're so big and they're so pervasive and everybody knows how wonderful they are and how great Maynard is and what an amazing musicians they are and about how even the simple stuff is actually really technical and uh, and all the rest and and everybody is now just you know yeah okay fine we're all sucking on the tool cock okay we all get it we all think they're amazing tool are brilliant tool are wonderful and 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 if you don't like them then that is your problem and that is your fault you are wrong. And and that's, <laughs> do you know what I mean? That's kind of how I feel because it's like, yeah, it's all tool all the time and some of it's boring. In fact, quite a lot of it's boring. Yeah. Those songs are too long. Yeah. Um, and all I am going to say is if you're going to wait that long to put an album out and one of the songs on your new album is a fucking drum solo, you can <laughs> fuck off. Make the top that is that is just fucking disrespectful as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> drum solos in general, I think, are disrespectful. But, yeah. but, but drum solo <laughs> on an album, on your first album for fucking how many years? I mean, just... Oh, it's, it's totally ludicrous. So, but, like, at the same time, like, the band has got, like, only 70 minutes to play. Why would you spend five minutes of that banging on the drums, you know, and nothing oh, else? Just... just boggles my fucking mind well anyway right that's that's again we continue to discuss the albums that are not on either of our top 10 lists yeah but at least that's one thing that molly crew got right they you know they sent uh, uh tommy lee up on a on a roller coaster during his drum so okay now now you can do that, that that's yeah but he, and he more importantly he was never allowed to do it on record that's the main thing yeah i mean drum solo live is almost acceptable it gives everybody else a rest gives everyone else a break and gets the person who's hidden behind the pile of wood to let their ego get stroked fine <laughs> 
um, that's sort of the, my feeling on solos in general, for the most part. Yeah. Like, yeah, is it is it is it actually a drum solo or is it actually just the singer resting? You know, is that <laughs> what's really going on here that's of importance? Right. Okay. So, um, my the well, I, I, my top ten is just the top ten. It's not like number one is not number one. They're just they're they're, they're in any order. Um, well, it depends what day it is and how much and what mood I'm in as to what my favorite is that day. Um, well, but, yeah, but it's not like the top ten locked in stone. I mean, there are. Like my 2017 list has shifted a bit, you know. My number three is now number number one, and number two is now number four, and stuff like that. But at least wow, wow, you actually go back to your lists. You actually go back to your lists and and curate them, do you? Like some fucking teenager. Oh, I wonder what my favorite album was two years ago. (laughs) Well, no, the thing is that, like, like usually, (laughs) to be honest, like all the albums that like didn't make the top. 10, top 15, top 20 lists for that year, I generally just don't bother with. <laughs> well, okay, fine, fine. Well, look, first on my list, I'm going to get this fucking list started if it kills me. First on my lips, <laughs> lisp is, first on my lisp, first on my list is um, a good friend of mine, Matt Fox, who um, uh, is the main man behind Shy Halud, um, sent me a project of his, um, which is available on uh, on release. It's called, and it's the band is Zombie Apocalypse, and the album is called Life Without Pain Is a Fucking Fantasy, and it is just ten tracks in and out. The longest song on it is three minutes, um, and and it is just absolutely brutal, brutal hardcore. Um, but it's just it's it's just phenomenal. The whole album, I think, is about like eighteen minutes, twenty minutes, um, and it's brilliant. I absolutely love it. Um, and there's nothing else. Uh, there's just nothing out there like it at the moment. Zombie apocalypse. Um, I mean, it sounds like uh, de- uh, old school death metal. Is that kind of what they're doing? No, no, no. It's it's old. It's it's hardcore. It's just just nice. insane hardcore. Brilliant. That's awesome. That's awesome. I will. Um, I'll send you. A, I'll send you a link, mate. I'll, I'll. I'll share it with you. Oh, that'd be great. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, my number ten is this. Um, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to stay in order. Uh, is uh, <laughs> it, uh, this almost no? You know, sort of similar thing. Like almost unknown band. Uh, like they're they're uh, they haven't yet gotten to where they can be. But I found this album so promising that I keep going back to it. It's a band called Ions, and the album is self-titled. It's a, a especially the back half, it's a bit Devin Townsend worshipping. Um, you know, it, it has trouble finding its own voice and holding onto it throughout the whole album. But, uh, you know, if you like Devin Townsend, if you, if you dig that sort of stuff, I recommend a band called Ions. Uh, it should be on all the streaming platforms and uh, really, really uh, uh, good stuff. But more than anything, just a really promising album. Right. So is that their first album? Yeah, exactly. Right. Okay. So, yeah. So basically, if you're into Devin Townsend, i.e. if you're easily pleased by the sound of epic chords and songs going nowhere, um, then that's your kind of thing, yeah? Well, lots of, uh, you know, like uh, build-up and climax and... And, 
you know, variety and yeah, just for the adventures, you know, in music, which I, I enjoy. Yeah, no, fair enough, man. Fair enough. I, I figured out the other day the re- the reason I'm, I I can't seem to get on with um, Devin Townsend is just that uh, is that um, uh, all his all of his songs have these amazing intros, and then you realise five minutes later it's still the same song, and you haven't been paying attention for the last three minutes. Um, so uh, next up is um, uh, Exuma. This was early on this year. Um, I was uh, I was kind of like going off it about this album. Um, some people got into it, some people didn't. Uh, the album is Hostile Defiance. Um, I love it. Straight ahead, um, old school thrash, brought up to date, um, but also a kind of refreshing um, production on it as well. It's not your typical Pro Tool bullshit. Um, there's a, there's almost like a lack of dynamics on it. They've really stripped it back, and um, I look. I, I, I love it. It's just straight ahead, good thrash metal and definitely worth a shout. And, and they're a band that will be close to my heart. Um, I mean, I got them in, I got into them on their very first album, Possessed by Fire. That was a real, that was a shades purchase for me in my, uh, in my youth. And um, they'll always have a special place in my heart. So it was lovely that they came back with such a strong album this year. So there you go. Exuma is my, um, is next on my list. And that's Hostile Defiance. Like I find that I'm listening to less and less death metal over time. Uh, maybe it's just a phase, or I'm not sure. But like the, the band that I do keep going back to is uh, my number nine, which is Elysian. Uh, their apoptosis is what it's called. Uh, it's just really, really technical, interesting, and. This isn't like their um, their best work. Uh, this is probably my second or third favorite Elysian album, but these guys just keep on, I don't know how to describe it, just keep on like doing new things with the technical death genre that I find really, really interesting. And it reminds me of like early Carcass where, you know, you'd listen to Carcass and you'd hear these great melodies that are sort of buried, just buried underneath all of the the layers and layers of grind and um and same thing with Elysian only I think that they're doing it very very consciously if if Carcass was not and I have no idea if they were or not uh but uh uh Elysian are, are doing it really co- uh consciously where it's just really interesting melodies going on that are just sort of buried in the technical performance and uh, so Elysian apoptosis uh definitely recommend it. Well, I think if an if an album if a band keep bringing you back to the genre, that is always that's always a good sign. That's ob- that's obviously a sign that's like yeah, you know, these these guys are at the top of what they do, um, uh, or at least they are for you. Absolutely, cool man. Well, I don't I don't think that that is just for me. I really think it. This is a, a, a pretty objective analysis. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, next up on my list is um, uh, a, a few albums I kind of um, a few albums I got all together at one time, um, and this is another one. Candlemas, The Door to Doom, what a fantastic uh, comeback! Um, I have not dug any Candlemas for some time, um, and uh, yeah, it, it's. It, it, it's just superb. Um, original singer back, 
some just some massive fucking grooves, massive riffs, you know, very, very doomy, very... Uh, I, I, I have not purchased or listened to music like this for over 20 years, without a doubt. Probably Candlemas Nightfall was the last time I was I, I was as impressed with something. A fucking absolutely outstanding album, um, full of just classic, classic doom metal, but in a kind of heavy metal, doom metal kind of way, you know. More Sabbath, less cathedral, more... It's just, it's just yeah, it's fucking great. Honestly, absolutely great. Um, and really took me back to the old days. So, um, uh, you know... There you go. Fun. I think coming from a completely different direction was my number eight, which is the new Whitechapel called The Valley. It's a uh, concept album, if that's your thing, uh, but, um, uh, you know, just uh, a really brutal deathcore and um, just a, another really great uh, um, addition to that, that you know, sub-sub-sub-genre. And... Uh, Again, another band that do it better than anybody, and and uh, yeah, uh, uh, but another example of like not the best album in their catalog, but uh, uh, so it's so so good and, and so much above everything else that was coming out this year. I, I recommend it. Uh, well, uh, look, I, anything that you recommend to our listeners, I'm sure they're almost certain to avoid. Uh, um... <laughs> Uh, next up, next up for me, um, uh, it's been, yeah, I mean, you know, I've gone with like Exuma, Old Men, Candlemas, Old Men, and keeping up that theme, <laughs> um, is uh, is Dream Theatre, Distance Over Time, a return to form, um, a brutally heavily, heavy record in parts, a brutally, brutally um, melodic record in parts, um, yeah, full of great performances as always. Some wonderful um, uh, melodies. Just it's just yeah, return to form. Really enjoyed it. Nothing else to say. Everyone knows what Dream Theater like. Definitely. Uh, the new Born of Osiris is called the Simulation. And Born of Osiris, if you're not familiar, is again very technical, but um, uh, very very melodic uh, uh, metal and just uh, uh, sort of heavy on the production side of things. They're very, very heavy on um, uh, just sounding almost mechanical in what they do, but it really, really works. And it's uh, uh, they, they have a very unique sound, I find, and, uh, and really, really enjoyed uh, the simulation. Uh, was surprised that it didn't get uh, uh, higher accolades when it was released. And why do you think that is? I don't, I think that um, it's sort of a, a it, it's a, it's funny because I think about it almost in the context of like, you know, your list is uh, so far been, you know, bands who have been around for 20, 30, 50, 100 years. And uh, then there are bands who are like new uh, that uh, uh, will make other people's lists where it's like, you know, it's their debut, it's their second album. And they're still exciting and new, and people are latching onto that. But then there are bands like Born of Osiris, who they're five albums in or so, four, five, six albums in. And I think people start taking 
some of these artists for granted at that point in their career. You know, they it's like, well, I know you're going to come back with another album in two years, and you know, and then there'll be another one in two years, and and yeah, so it's easy to kind of just yeah take them for granted. So I think that that's the spot that a band like Born of Osiris is in. I think that the the album probably lacks. Same thing with White Chapel, and White Chapel might be a, a bigger example of this. The, the album doesn't have like the saw is the law on it, which is like just an incredible single. Like the, it's their ace of spades, you know? Um, and same thing with Born of Osiris. It doesn't have uh, that super standout track. It's just a really great collection of great songs and just no standout single. And I think that that's part of what both of these albums probably lack in order to get more attention. Wow. Well, in that case, I'm coming at you with an album that is absolutely packed full of singles. Um, yeah. And that is Corn the Nothing. Um, yeah, I was really, really merrily, happily blown the fuck away with this. Um, the Jonathan Davis's vocals are tremendous, which is about time. Um, in my opinion, he's been uh, he's been slacking, um, but he's gone back to the old school. There is just loads of multi layered vocals in it, um, big big choruses, and you know iconic fucking shout out pieces, and just it, it is the corn that you know and love or know and hate. Um, they yeah, it's it's just an outstanding and I keep using this phrase with so many bands like Candlemas, like Dream Theatre, like Exuma. I'm going to use the, the phrase again. It's a return to form. Um, but with all these bands, it, the, by a return to form, I mean they've gone back to what made them fucking successful in the first place and gone. Do you know what? Let's do this. And it's fantastic. You know, Corn, Exuma, Candlemas, Dream Theatre, all four of them have said, do you know what, you know, progression is all very well, but should we just stick to what we're good at on this one? And I think all four bands have benefited hugely. Corn, The Nothing, absolutely fucking outstanding album. And if I was doing this in order, that would be very, very, that would be in an argument for the number one spot. I know, I know. I'm, I'm, as, I'm as surprised as you are, mate. Yeah, my my number six is uh, a band. You know, sort of in the context of what we were talking about, about uh, you know, either they've been around forever or they just arrived. And uh, this band is their second album. And uh, you know, I've got a soft spot for metalcore over the last few years. These, this band does it very, very well. I'm getting a huge attention for it. Um, surprised. This is sort of an opposite thing. I thought that this album was really great. Was surprised that it got as much um, attention and as big a, a response as it did. It's I Prevail. The album's called Trauma and uh, really good, super hook heavy, filled with uh, potential singles. And um, uh, again, yeah, and the the uh, attention they're getting is warranted. I think I think I tried with I Prevail. I think I heard you mention it earlier in the year, and I tried with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't prevail. I did not prevail. They did. <laughs> oh, I'm sure someone has done that somewhere else at some point. That was terrible. 
Um, well, I actually here now. I'm actually going to mention a band because at the moment it's great how we're both like, "Here's mine," and you go, "All oh, right, okay, here's mine," and there's like zero crossover whatsoever. There's like, there's yeah. not like, oh man, where did you have this? Oh, I had that in my number three. There's none of that. There's like, no, here's a load of stuff I like and here's a load of stuff you like and let's not fight about it. <laughs> um, but here is a band that, I, I don't know, the pro- I, I, I'm sure you would have mentioned by now, but um, incredibly, incredibly um, uh, consistent band. These guys haven't returned to form. They are continuing on excellent form and following up to their previous album, Few, he is legend. White Bat is a fantastic album. They've done it again. Mm. I know. I thought you were a bit of a fan. I, I, I do like them. I don't think I uh, even gave the new album a try. I'll have to uh, give that give that a shot. Yeah, yeah. Um, man. Oh, there's there is. Yeah, it, it's 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 a gr- it's a great album. I mean, that, that you can you can't go wrong with them with those guys at the moment. Um, that you know, few was a was a great album, um, and that is spelled F E W, not me going. Oh, few, um, but uh, yeah, it was that was a great album. But this white bat again is great. It's some fantastic lyrics on it, and they're just they're so indescribable because there's there's times where they're so fucking heavy they can't be anything but metal, and then there's times that they're so kooky they can't be anything than you know indie. And then there's other times where you're just like, I don't know what the fuck they are. You know, they literally, you know what I mean, though? It's like, it, it's, it's, it's like they're their own genre. They're a bit like, they're, they're like Billy Talent like that. They're just a really fucking good band and that'll just have to do. I think my number five fits that description fairly well, too. It, it wasn't their second album, but I still had this uh, fear that they would experience it. Uh, a sophomore slump, as they used to call it. Um, uh, their their the album that they put out a couple of years ago was my number one, and uh, I felt like was perhaps one of the greatest albums in the history of metal altogether. Uh, it wasn't their first album. I think they had one album prior, maybe an EP as well, uh, but it was the first one that like really really hit and got everybody's attention. Um, uh, that was Air by Astronoid. And they came back with a self-titled uh, follow-up this year that is fantastic. It isn't quite as great as Air. I thought that the difference really was the production. I really liked the production on Air. It was much cleaner than it was on the um, uh, self-titled album. But again, really fantastic songs. They What they're doing is they're taking that... Um, uh, that sort of new wave of black metal style underneath, which the, you know, the, the blast beats and the, the, uh, um, uh, just, you know, wall of, of riff. But then what Astronaut does different is they, uh, layer on clean vocals on top of it. And it just sounds, it's utterly unique in, in metal and in music in general. And it, um, uh, yeah, I, I'm a I'm a huge fan of that that new style of that new take on black metal, and these guys are, are doing that with another twist on top of it, and it really is uh, a, a amazing. Listen, Asteroid. Um, I do know a few people who I've seen that in top tens list, and I know a few people who really rate it. It's just not. Yeah, it's um, that's that's off my reservation. Um, I've you know. <laughs> Like I said, after death, there's a real big fucking drop off to the rest of death metal. 
um, for me, but that's just me. So, um, if there was a top four, this would be it. Um, and this is not fourth place again. This is another outstanding, outstanding record this year. Um, and I'm not going to cut to call it a return to form, but, um, when I heard that this band were going to attempt this, I was very, very curious and doubtful that it could be done. Um, but they have done it. Um, one of the greatest debut albums of all time is Life of Agony, The River Runs Red, a concept album written by a bunch of teenagers and guys in their early 20s that has absolutely no right to be as brilliant and thoughtful and superbly written as it is. And all these years later, Life of Agony decided to follow up on that story and bring it to its logical conclusion. The Sound of Scars is an absolutely ass-kicking, really heavy, really hard rock album. It's not... And, and by that, I mean, it's metal. Yeah, obviously, it's Life of Agony. But the reason I say hard rock is it's just got a, it's got a hard rock aesthetic to it, kind of atmosphere to it. It is it is absolutely superb. Talk about hooks in abundance. Mina's performance on it is superb. So is the new the new drummer whose name I forget. My apologies. It's not because I'm a sexist. I'm just shit with names. Um, I had an Alan Partridge moment with her where I was like, oh, you know, sounds really good. Close your eyes. Could have been a man. Um, I don't know. I, my my inner sexism was definitely uh, definitely caught out by that. Um, but Life of Agony, Sound of Scars, um, just fucking get it listened to. Uh, superb, so, superb album. So much respect for Manny Caputo. Oh my goodness, amazing, yeah. amazing person. Uh, my number four you're gonna hate is uh, the the new Devin Townsend Empath. Uh, hey, I've got no empathy with that one. <laughs> because it's just, uh, you know, again, you know, either love it or you hate it, but uh, uh, this was an, uh, an incredibly ambitious album that, uh, yeah, it delivered on all of the, the promise. And um, uh, it's, it's one of those few, very, very few albums that you just, you can't put it on in the background. You have to just say, hey, look, rather than putting on Netflix, I'm putting on this new Devin Townsend album, and it just and it it just takes you in. It's uh, um, one of the most ambitious and incredible metal albums in, in metal history, and uh, uh, yeah, so glad to have had the opportunity to uh, listen to it, and so glad he was willing to deliver it. Well, um, yeah, what can I say? Um, yeah, I. I... I wouldn't say uh, I hate it. I mean, the thing about Devin is he's done something that you know he's got he's got such a a, um, a body of work that um, he could you know he, he, there's so much to choose from and that I really admire. Um, and there's one album of his I do like, but um, yeah, it's just it's yeah I, yeah I, I've heard bits of it and um, just sounded like every other bit of uh, Devin Townsend I've ever heard. It's like, wow, that's amazing. That's a huge call. It's, it's epic. It sounds like in the church. Wow, that's unbelievable. Three minutes later, I'm not going wow anymore. It still hasn't progressed. Still sounds like a fucking intro. And um, anyway, thanks for calling Devon. Um, well, my next album is a bit of a strange one. Um, discovered whilst 
um, being sent links to people who were covering Acid Rain's new album release and saying, oh, you know, there's this here and this here. Um, I was directed to YouTube where there was a guy, sort of vague European guy going on about bands from countries and um, and representing Croatia. We have a band called Arises and the album is called System. And I sort of caught about 30 seconds of it and I was like, that's quality. That is like, wow, that's good. So, um, and it was, you know, it was after they're like, right, next up from Croatia. So straight away, I was like, all right, this is going to be maybe not that great. But um, because uh, because I'm like that. And it's fantastic. Really good. Reminds me a lot of The Haunted. Now, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit half in, half out about this being on my albums of the year. Because, I mean, I cannot stop playing it at the moment. Every track is a fucking killer. I love it. But... Will I still be loving it in three months' time? Uh, I I kind of feel I will. So that's why it's in my top ten. But there could be a case for me further down the line actually not having it in my top ten. But um, it's, yeah, out of of all of the bands on my list, it's it's the only band that I knew nothing of. Well, actually, Arises and Zombie Apocalypse are the two bands that I knew nothing of at the beginning of the year everything everything else is you know is is people delivering who i um who i was hoping would deliver but um uh yeah arises was just yeah fantastic croatian uh metal very cool uh, i can't wait to check that out oh you will I, you I will be able to wait mate you will because i'll play it to you and you'll be like man these people are from croatia but they sound so fucking boring <laughs> oh, oh man well, my number three, I have not heard of these guys before either, but uh, I think they have been around for at least a little while, five to six years. Uh, Metalcore, probably the best songs of any album on my top ten list and, and you know, had a very, very strong argument, spent much of the year as my number one. Uh, it's Erase the Pain by Palisades. Uh, just super awesome hooks, super fantastic, uh, and... Yeah, amazing. Uh, uh, really, really love this album and, and we'll be playing it for years to come. Wow. Right. Okay. Palisades. I thought you said, um, I thought you said Power Slaves for a minute there. Oh. Um, oh I was, and yeah, I thought it was some sort of maiden tribute band. Okay. So <laughs> my number two, um, although it's, you know, as I keep saying, my number two on the list, I've only had it for a very short time. In fact, um, I only... I only discovered it this week. Was it this week? Yeah, fucking hell. Yeah, it was this week. I actually discovered this album on Tuesday. And I downloaded it straight away. Funnily enough, it was it was a, it was number 1 on an album of the year list um that a journalist did and we were about like number 8 or something on his list. And this was number 1 and I was like, "Jesus, I didn't even know they had an album out." So I downloaded it, started listening to it, loved it, walked into a record shop whilst I was listening to it for the first time, found it on CV, CD, £8, got to be done. And that is the 29 release, 2019 release from New Model Army. The album is called From Here. And there is so much music in every song. It is just music to get lost in. It's absolutely fantastic um, and, and a real experience. Uh, you know, can I do a quick shout out? 
like my favorite reunion of this year is a band that did an amazing new model army cover back in the early 90s anacrusis reunited this year and man i wanted to make that road trip to go see that reunion show um anacrusis if you've never heard the albums uh manic impressions or sound the alarm i think we were label mates i think we were label mates back in the day i gotta be honest oh interesting yeah uh fantastic band in my opinion one of the most important well i'd say one of the most um uh, underrated and underappreciated metal bands from the, that era and uh uh one of those bands that if they had been more influential than they are metal would be in even better place than it is today well, I, I, I know you feel strongly about them because I think they came into the conversation when we went to see um, The Beyond. Where oh, it, yeah. You, I, I think, it, you know, you had a, a sort of a, a similar affection for for for, uh, for Anacrusis as you do The Beyond. Definitely, definitely. Uh, my number two is <laughs> Return to Form. Like, this is a band that I heard for years Everybody was like, oh, my God, they're so great, they're so great, they're so great. And then for years I heard, oh, my God, what happened to them? They suck, they suck, they suck. And then I heard the new album, and, and, and the whole time I was like, it's all mess, it's all mess. But then I heard the new album, and it blows me away. So uh, I think on a number of lists people are calling this a return to form. For me, this is like a revelation. And But it's a revelation that I still have no interest in going back to the rest of their catalog. It's not like what they did on the new album that much different. It's just so much better. It's the new In Flames called Eye the Mask. Right. Wow, right. Right, I might have to have a listen because I I couldn't give a toss about that band. I really couldn't. Yeah. That was my impression for the longest time. And then, you know, I would almost every weekend I'd throw on the new singles for the week and, you know, I just let it go in the background and if something catches my attention, then I put it back into the list and if it catches my attention a second time, now I'm going to go listen to the whole album and when this song popped up twice and, and both times, I was like, who's this? And I'm like, in flames, really? And then I went to the album and the whole album delivers. It just delivers. So good. Oh, cool, man. Cool. Right, well, that brings that brings us, uh, and I am going to check that out because I've I've always felt the same as you, just absolutely meh. Um, well, that phrase "return to form" pops up yet again, finally on my list. Um, it's been popping up in a few other people's um, album of the years list as well. And funnily enough, I noticed Neil Cooper, former drummer of the Beyond and current drummer of Therapy, and the Evil Priest bass player in Therapy. Both have this album in their top ten albums of the year. Um, and it is, of course, The Age of Entitlement by Acid Rain. <laughs> um, of course, of course I was going to fucking put this here after saying all that shit about everybody else. Um, yeah, Return to Form. Wow, what a nice surprise. God, it's been so many years and I didn't think they were capable. I didn't think they had this in them, but oh, they have. And oh, well done. It's great. I love it. <laughs> That's awesome. And you know what's funny? It's like the whole time I'm like, you know, do I, I really should say something. That like, like I, I just figured that like you can't count it on this show. So that's what I went with. I'm not gonna... Yeah, I know, I know, mate. I know. I, it's just there's no way I was going to leave it out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Well, I will tell you, you know, like obviously all your listeners have, have bought and and are listening to that album constantly. And uh, for myself, like I I enjoyed the snot out of the new album, and I think it's better than anything you did. I don't think it's a, a return to form. I think it's a, a well beyond anything that uh, in your catalog previously. And, uh, I'm just happy I get to stream it on Google Play Music. Oh yeah, thank you very much. Thanks for that. That. Uh... <laughs> That pays. That pays for uh, well for nothing actually. But um, <laughs> so so come on there, man. What's the what's the number one? Give us Godless's tip from the top. Number one, how this album is not every um, is not everyone's number one is not surprising to me because I think that everybody is chicken shit. But if if all things being equal, if you take that like artist versus the art argument and you go nope this is just about the art then this album without a doubt is the number one album of the year and it's the new as i lay dying shaped by fire amazing album i've never been a huge as a as i lay dying fan uh this album's got me curious about revisiting the catalog and see if uh um uh, something's uh uh, yeah, something's up or whatever, but I love this album, and uh, I'm, I'm I feel bad that more people were not willing to at least give themselves the chance to to uh, to like this album because um, uh, it's it's uh, uh, yeah it's 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 the album of the year. Would you would you say that this is the best album recorded by a band whose singer has done time for trying to hire a hitman to kill his wife? I would say that pretty unequivocally. Now that's going without assuming uh, uh, that uh, there is somebody else out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I can see where you're going with that, mate, and you probably want to stop. <laughs> Without a doubt, it is. Yes, absolutely. Well, um, well, that's to be honest. That seems like a great place to leave it. The bit where Godless endorses um, people who wanted to murder their wives. Um, now, hold on a second. Hold on a second. So, like, the guy did his time. Yeah. And and he, you know, the people who are closest to him, which would be. Perhaps not the spouse that he, you know, tried to kill, but like his the closest people, which would be the the people that were his friends and the people he worked with every day. Those people said they had a conversation with him of some sort. They have a relationship with him, and when okay, like you know, it all is forgiven. Moving on, and those are people yeah. who have a relationship with his ex spouse too. Now, yeah. I don't know what that conversation is. I don't know anything about him. And what Tim uh, was feeling at the time, the whole thing, all I've got is I have to trust that the people that surrounded him uh, had a better information and better judgment than I ever could. And because they are willing to forgive him, I don't see why the rest of us shouldn't too. Um, I, I think that's um, very eloquent um, and um, and very naive, but there you go. Um <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, look. Ultimately, I, I don't disagree with anything you've said there, um, and separating the art from the artist and and all the rest of it. Um, I just think as I lay down a shit, I've never liked them. Christian band. Christian went and tried to hire somebody to murder his wife, so he can go fuck himself. As far as I'm concerned, um, 
I I purely wouldn't give the band any money based on the fact that they used to be a Christian metal band. That's enough for me. That's, you know, it's made all the more hilarious by the fact that Mr. Christian Metal tried to have his wife killed. Um, and, um, that is fine. I, I agree with that. I mean, I mean, it, 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 now with a little distance, time plus distance, you know, it's humor. <laughs> and it's, and also what a wonderful, what a great Christmassy note to end this. I've got some, <laughs> I've got some Patreon questions for you, by the way, mate, but what a lovely Christmassy note to end on. It's the Christian metal band, or is it ex-Christian metal band whose singer was convicted of trying to hire a hitman to kill his wife. That's, that's godless is Christmas number one. <laughs> Oh man! I... <laughs> Happy holidays, yeah, everybody! Yeah, couldn't couldn't have planned it better, could we? Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Happy holidays! Don't choke on your turkey. <laughs> uh, on your show again, and uh, hey, uh, like best with uh, uh, the NHS. Thank you very much, man, and um, and always a pleasure having you on. And don't go anywhere because I've got some Patreon questions for you. And there you have it, the godless, the man himself. Um, We're all done. That is the end of the Christmas podcast. Yes, um, the next podcast you get will be January, and that will be celebrating five years of Talking Bollocks. Wow. Five fucking years ago. Started just before um, any talk of bringing the band back and all the rest of it. And um, and now here we are. Quite incredible. Um... Quite incredible. One thing I did want to mention also was that um, I um, uh, I went to um, the memorial for Martin Hooker, the Formula Music for Nations boss. Uh, Formula, the former Music for Nations boss. Um, there was some lovely tributes read out by JJ from uh, from Twisted Sister, by Lars from Metallica, by a number of people from various bands. I was the only person there from a band, which I, I felt quite honoured about. And um, it was it was lovely. It was um, it was a really nice, positive celebration um, uh, of his uh, of his life. And um, it was just really cool. It was really cool. Anyway, guys, it's been really cool. I hope you had a great Christmas. Um, made it past the three-hour barrier for the first time in a long time on one of these motherfuckers. So there's something to be said for that. And you know what? Patrons get even more. Yep, that's right. One final reminder. <laughs> uh, Patreon.com forward slash Howard H. Smith. Get involved if you want. Cost you $6 a month. And it's well, well worth it. So the patrons tell me. So anyway, guys, um, it's been a pleasure. It will continue to be a pleasure. All of you, please spread the word as best you can because that is, you know, you are the Talking Bollocks Army and without you, I am nothing. Until next year, have a great Christmas, have the rest of whenever you're listening to this and um, see you in 2020 for more Talking Bollocks. Later. <laughs>